If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Defining Duke, an Xbox podcast, is brought to you by, well, you. If you want to learn how to support the show, go to patreon.com slash laststandmedia. Salutations, everybody. It is Maddie here today, and welcome to episode 27 of Defining Duke, an Xbox podcast. And I'm joined by my lovely co-host, Lord Cognito. Lord, how are you today? Doing good, man. The fellow Dukes, the Dukes of up, you know what I'm saying? We're back in the mm-hmm. realm again, but um, I'm excited, man. A lot of good stuff to talk about, man. Let's get into it, brother. Absolutely, dude. I wanted to thank everyone for their kind words last week. It was your first public episode uh, as a part of the main host, I should say, compared to when you guested. And the and the words were incredibly kind and supportive. So thank you to everyone who's been hopping on board, who's, who's supporting the change. I, I know it was a rip-roaring couple of weeks, and I, I hope you understand that I am eternally thankful to all of you who have stuck with us through this transition. It means a lot. And to those of you, the, the 12,000 of you, who support us over on patreon.com slash media. Especially thank you. We could not have done this without you. And for those who are there or have yet to sign up, we have early access for this show every Thursday and you'll hit free feeds on Sunday, which is YouTube, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts. Uh, we're happy to have you regardless. Uh, like I said, it's been, a, it's been a bumpy couple of weeks, so I'm excited just to start you know, with, without getting too comfortable coasting yes. a little bit here. Uh, for those of you who are patrons, we just did Defining Duke Ultimate Episode 23. Colin joined us for that. It was me, Cog, Colin. Ooh. It was a really good episode, that man. Was I was really happy with it. That was and I know, right? And, and so we had this whole conversation about the trajectory of Xbox and PlayStation covering the likes of indies, exclusives. We, we talked even on the likes of game streaming, Game Pass, Game Pass competitors. We covered literally everything. I thought it was such a well-rounded discussion that when you walk away, I don't think you'll have any questions. So we were really happy with that, Cog. It was a blast. Thank you for joining us. For yeah, that. man. It was real fun. I, like I said, I can't wait for the Patreons to get a hold of that, man. Y'all not ready, man. It was some yeah. real <laughs> passion going on in yeah. that discussion, man. Maddie, I love what you, you the way you set it up. And, you Thank know, you, college man. is college. That's the legend. So yeah. it, was, it was always good to have us three kind of powwow. And so, yeah, check that out. The final do, do ultimate is fire, this one. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. One thing I wanted to request of the audience, just because uh, our mobile ratings are, are fantastic, 
But I wanted to, as you refamiliarize yourself with the show, resubmit any. You can edit current ratings. So this isn't like an effort to get it boosted. But just to account for the new host and sort of what the show represents, I want it to be accurate. So when people tune in on mobile devices, they know what they're listening to. And that's, once again, thanks to you and your support that we're able to do that type of stuff. So um, just please do consider that if you have an extra couple minutes of your time. It's something I did want to specifically shout out. And I'll, I'll be sure to remind you every week. Don't worry. But enough of all that. You guys are tired of hearing that stuff. Let's get into the warm-up questions where you can submit them on patreon.com slash Media. We do five warm-up questions, five ending questions, and we'll throw your questions in during the new segments if it fits with the segments we're going to talk about, which some of you did. First one comes from Christian Longo. Hey, Maddie, and welcome, Cog. Recently, Bandai Namco's Scarlet Nexus released. I'm really enjoying the game, but that's besides the point. My question revolves around the amount of marketing Xbox did for this game. UK sales numbers for the game have recently revealed, and PlayStation is currently dominating, with PlayStation 5 accounting for 58% of the sales and PS4 bringing in 21%. That's close to four of every five copies sold being versions for Sony platforms. So my question basically is, how did this happen? The game was revealed in an Xbox show, the demo was released on an Xbox first, and had Xbox's Twitter account hyping it up for months. Do you fellas think this could be a wait until it comes to Game Pass mentality, or maybe it's just because people prefer JRPGs on uh, Sony platforms? So ecstatic for the energy Cog will bring to the show, and Maddie, you are the man. Wow, Ooh. thank you. Uh, side note that I wanted to add in here, because I did some extra research on the numbers, is the Japan sales are also out for Scarlet Nexus. So we have UK and Japan. For Japan, it says 20,160 copies were sold on PlayStation 4 and 11,008 copies were sold on PlayStation 5 for a combined opening week total of 31,168 retail copies. This was reported by Famitsu. So far, no Xbox numbers have been officially reported. So we can only guess around, but the percentages in certain regions and the numbers in certain regions are telling to a degree because I... (laughs) You know, Xbox is growing in Japan, but I don't know if they're selling like 30,000 combined copies of a third party title type of large in Japan yet. Uh, so what do you think led to maybe some of this? We don't want to call it a fail because I don't think it is. Um, I think with Xbox being so uh, US centric that um, those numbers would be the most telling if if their marketing was worthwhile or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what do you make of PlayStation managing to, to outmuscle the, the, the marketing that uh, Xbox has done at least in other regions? Yeah, it's it's a good question, man. Uh, shout out to, to Christian. I thought it was an f- excellent question. You know, two reasons. One, you know, I remember seeing the game, and I believe it debuted at the Xbox third party showcase. Uh, yeah, the gameplay showcase and that I, had no gameplay. That had no gameplay. <laughs> <laughs> but at the end of the day, it was like you know, it's one of those things where I was I was actually impressed. I was like, you know what, this is really cool. You know, kind of in that a, a game in a genre that they generally don't have a lot of and i thought the art style it almost gave me astral chain vibes because i'm a big astral chain guy from um Ooh, you know, yeah platinum i knew games, i made man. the right pick you, know, you already know <laughs> where we here with platinum so it's like yeah like so I, I was excited about it. i played the demo and um really impressed me more so to the question you know what what's happening here i think it could be a combination of things i for one thought it was going to be in game pass so mm-hmm. part of me was like well i'm gonna wait and see what was going on. I'm not going to say that accounts for everyone, but to your earlier point, Maddie, I think that, you know, these are games that are typically not synonymous with Xbox, right? And these are games that are associated with PlayStation, so I still think their base is stronger there as Xbox tries to get their foothold 
in that specific genre. So that, that's what I think it is early. I'm not going to get too crazy. And obviously, we still need more numbers to come out in the U.S. and the regions where Xbox is a bit stronger. But what, what do you think, man, in reference to this whole thing? Yeah, it's it's kind of surprising in a way that that despite all they've done, that they, they didn't see the, the big pop of numbers across the globe. With that said, I fell in that same boat. And I, I well, you said we can't speak for everyone. I think a lot of people felt the same way that this sort of had the Game Pass stink on it, man. Like, it really did, right? Like, the showcase it was revealed on, a lot of those games were to be exclusive, timed, or or complete exclusives. They were to be Game Pass games. And then Scarlet Nexus was the only game with gameplay and all that stuff. But it was assumed to be something like that. And the way it was handled, I just think they're reveal i i wonder if something fell behind fell apart behind the scenes like maybe they were planning to do this because i could have sworn when they first revealed it there was only an xbox logo at the end and so i remember reporting in ham radio podcast like oh yeah it's gonna be exclusive people went no no no, it's actually coming out their platforms they like did a separate trailer and it had all the console logos i went okay that was strange Uh, because i distinctly remember making that mistake and so i think a lot of people saw that and assumed scarlet nexus was going to be exclusive or a game pass game and especially leading up to launch, I mean, this game looked great, it reviewed well enough, so it wasn't bad yeah. uh, where they shouldn't have been confident with it. But especially for a new IP, Bandai was really quiet about it. So I think a lot of Xbox fans were under the assumption, and I think the correct assumption, like, hey, you know, it looks like this might come to Game Pass. This needs a pop. Like, this doesn't have a lot of noise surrounding it. Um, there's not really much marketing, so maybe they're just going to collect their money and 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 take the Game Pass route and get more people in and talking about it, which... I still think would have been really wise for them to do. They yeah. came out and denied Game Pass rumors, so mm-hmm. then it released, and and here we are now. And I think a lot of Xbox fans uh, just had that sort of wait for Game Pass mentality. Um, and I do wonder how that will mm. impact other future releases. You, you got to wonder. I think this is a specific case where you know, it's revealed in their showcase and just the optics of it. It's yeah. the optics, man. It's so key. But the way I was looking at it, and I think many others was like, oh, yeah, this is probably going to be a Game Pass game. Cool. Like, that's a good get. It's JRPG. It's new. Uh, it doesn't have, like, a, a history. So they're not taking away from someone. Like, all the cards sort of lined up, mm-hmm. and then nothing happened. Yeah. Just, yeah, it's, just it's to, interesting. Just to add on real quick, um, and then to remember... After the E3 Microsoft Bethesda showcase, they had the second showcase, Shout to Paris, the one that Paris hosted. And if you remember, they did a deep dive with Scarlet Nexus, with the devs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, they gave them a lot of screen time and marketing. So I was actually surprised by that. But, um, yeah, you know, I I think to your point, you you said it well. Like, I I think it's one of those things that I assumed that it was going to be Game Pass. At one point, like you, I thought maybe it was an Xbox exclusive when it was announced on that stage. So maybe with the layers kind of coming off between people who say, hey, I'm going to wait. And, you know, PlayStation fans say, oh, wow, it's coming to our platform. Let's go yeah. get it. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, you know, let, let, let's see. But, um, yeah, I was surprised. I want to see the, the U.S. numbers when that comes out. But it, it was very, right. very surprising. Yeah. I do also think, just to add to Christian's question, is mm-hmm. I do think people prefer currently JRPGs on a Sony platform because yes. they support them well. It's, it's you know, like for example, uh, Tales of Arise is, is coming to Xbox this year. Uh, and that's the first Tales of game since Vesperia mm. to, to come to the system. And so it's been a while. It's yes. been a while. So they're getting better. But... um. Sony really grabbed hold of that. So Xbox yeah. is going to have to work and spend to to really unroot the Agreed. assumption that there's no JRPGs there. Agreed. All right. Next comes from Nikolai Hansen-Turton. Dear Maddie and Lord Cognito, I'm writing to discuss the situation with Psychonauts 2 on PlayStation. The upcoming Double Fine game is set to release on PC, Xbox Series X and S, Xbox One, and PS4 with a Mac OS and Linux version soon after release. 
noticeably missing is a native PS5 version of the game. While the game can be played via PS4 backwards compatibility, it will undoubtedly miss many features like DualSense, 4K60, and ray tracing. They aren't even adding HDR10 support, which is supported on the 2013 PS4 model. I am disappointed with Double Fine slash Xbox and the lack of media coverage as they are seemingly abandoning PlayStation players who back the game on Fig like myself. Thoughts? Have a wonderful rest of your week, Nikolai. I actually dug into this and, and there wasn't much chatter on it. What do you make of a no native PS5 version for uh, a, a you know Double Fine owned by Xbox? Yeah, with Psychonauts too. No, this is good. This is a good question. I was actually uh, this is news to me in reference to that. You know, part of me thinks that, you know, with development again, I, I don't know the the specifics of the development with with Psychonauts, but like, did something change? You know, mid development once they were acquired. That that's the first thing I was thinking, and then the yeah. second thing I was thinking in is um. You know, as far as the PS5, we know it's a PS4 version, right? We know it's a base one. So my, my, my question then becomes from the back compatibility as far as, um, you know, being able to transfer things up. There's been issues with Sony as far as smart delivery and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to know from a technical standpoint if something played into that and maybe it comes later because we've seen some instances where, you know, the the back compat version, you know what I'm saying, of a, of a Sony game doesn't necessarily come immediately or there's some issue, right? So mm-hmm. that's my curiosity there. Just the combination of that co- combined with the Microsoft deal, if any one of those two factors, you know, played a part. Yeah, it's... I, I think you said it perfectly. It's hard for me to add really anything on top of it other than I, I can't help it at times galaxy brain a little bit and go, hmm, no PS5 version. One thing that I will throw out there in all seriousness is we did learn through Cyberpunk, if anything, that a lot of SKUs handled in development can really, I don't know, it, it can get very complicated as we saw. Maybe it doesn't lead to the broken mess every time that Cyberpunk has, but a lot of developers have cited that it's been tough to, to work across seven to eight of them and so i i understand why you may be inclined to drop one for me i found it interesting that maybe it wouldn't be a ps5 version but instead mac and linux but maybe that's part of the fig backer campaign um but still an interesting question nonetheless and i think the reason you're not seeing i think the reason you're not seeing media coverage is because i don't want to say oh what's the big deal but this can be fixed very easily with a update so It is one of those things where as long as it's on PlayStation, the, the bigger problem would be if Xbox came in, they they sort of screwed over the fig backers and said, well, guess what? You're not even getting it on PlayStation now. We're locking this down. Like that would have been the the, the bigger problem, of course, and yeah. uh, would have led to just bad PR for the game. So yeah. I think they can maybe rectify things with an update, but I understand your frustration that stuff like DualSense won't be making a strong use of it. Absolutely. Dylan Hardy's our next question. Hello, fellas. Since this is the 20th anniversary of Xbox and Halo, I personally hope there will be a 20th year limited edition console or controller. Hopefully a controller at the very least. My question is, what has been your favorite limited edition Xbox from the past 20 years? Mine would have to be Gears of War 3's edition. Thanks and have an A1 day. Thank you, Dylan. You rubbed your hands immediately, so you got an answer. You got an yeah, answer. Yeah, <laughs> I like this one. I like this one. Oh, yeah. Are you a hardware collector in general? Do you just like to get the limited editions of stuff? I'm generally not, but okay. this one got me. It was the Xbox One S red 
Gears console. Oh yeah, that one's sick. Bro, yeah. the one where you push the button and it make the sound. Dun, 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 dun. Bro, yeah. it, it hurt my heart. To, man, that that one it, to move that I like to, to move that into the bedroom. <laughs> it hurt my heart. <laughs> and then to kind of replace it with the with the Series yep. S, who we officially yep. call Little Man. But um, yeah, man. <laughs> Yo, I love that console. Like it with the aesthetic. Then they like they had the gear icon. It had the unique sounds. I I almost I just missed out on getting the matching elite 2 that was a mm. also a red gears controller anything uh-huh. red you got me but that that one that <laughs> one was fire literally like yeah. i love that cost what about you i own that one as well that oh, was a really that. good one yeah because yeah. like you'd press like the the only thing i didn't like is you'd hit the eject button to be like a locust screen yeah. so like my dog would always bark because he'd hear it he'd be like <laughs> i'm like all right all right relax it's, it's okay you know i'm just ejecting the disc for me it's got to be the uh r2d2 xbox 360 Ooh. i always wanted it right i always wanted it and this year i actually bought one because i was like you know xbox's backwards compatibility program it's sort of stunted a little bit that's mm-hmm. fine they're doing stuff with with fps boost i think that makes sense for them as a model for business and i also think it makes more sense for the consumer just trying to, to play mm-hmm. recent release games the, the best they possibly can so I, I bit the bullet and i finally got something that i've wanted since high school and I love it, man. Like the the, the sounds, all the R two D two sounds, the C three PO controller. Mm. When the disc pops out, there's a little text that says, "Help me, Obi Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope." Just stop. All these all these Easter eggs just throughout the entire console. I love it. I That's love fire. it. Love it. Love it. It's so nice. I've never owned a slim Xbox 360, mm-hmm. so that was also kind of a cool moment. But that's 100 nice. percent my favorite. Like nice. I am also like you. You know, I, I remember people geeking out over the, the Spider-Man PS4. Yeah. And I was like, ah, you know, this looks cool. But, I, you know, the only type of console I may collect a a uh, like a, a hard a piece of hardware where um, it's got cool designs on it. It's probably like a handheld because you okay. can see it. Yes. So I've never been like a custom controller guy because I'm my hands are below Don't. my waist and I'm looking up at the TV. And so I'm not looking down at it. when you're playing handheld like Game Boy Advance or DS, whatever. You're seeing the console and the screen, Physically, so it's just to yeah. me like you can see the thing you customized or or, I or that you've purchased. I, I see the mindset. Yeah, right. So you know, at least with with that, I, I I I would dive in, but with with the rest of the consoles, I'm I'm not too crazy about no them. Doubt, no doubt. Number four comes from Army of Knave. Hello, Duke and Lord. I like that. I, like <laughs> I have that. a lighthearted write-in this week. So with the new co-host, I felt like it'd be fun to, with the audience to pick his brain while also watching you two collaborate in real time with a fun scenario. So here it is. Microsoft has just purchased NetherRealm, developers of Mortal Kombat and Injustice, for this singular purpose. Make a crossover fighter in the style of their recent MK and Injustice games, using characters and settings from all of the Microsoft's now-owned IP. Who makes the cut to be on this prestigious roster and why? Also, Jeff Steitzer, the announcer for Halo Multiplayer, is the announcer <laughs> for this th- theoretical game, and I'll die on this hill. Have an unseasoned chicken. This is a sacred symbols joke, by the way. I don't, I'm don't. i warning you now. I don't get this. Unseasoned chicken? <laughs> Have an unseasoned chicken kind of day, but make sure that the chicken... The Sony... It hasn't been... Th- wait. Make sure it isn't the chicken the Sony boys have been fucking. I don't know... <laughs> I, I don't Where know. he at with this? I don't know, man. I, <laughs> this is I, I, uh, yeah, I must have missed this episode. I, I mean, before obviously working with Colin, like, I listened a lot, and I, I like I hear them like the co- questions always end with, "Be sure to keep fucking that chicken." I'm like, "What are they fucking talking about?" I'm like, Who's, "What you happened?" Get the context. Yeah, I don't have any. So hearing this, I'm just like, "What happened?" All right, so you and I are sitting here. We're reporting on the news. Microsoft just bought NetherRealm. They're mm. making a fighting game. It's a crossover between all Microsoft's IP. Fire. 
who makes the cut? Come on, man. You already know what this is. We got to get the matchup that everybody wants to see. And you are team, you're Lord Bethesda. So you should know where I'm going. <laughs> the matchup everybody want to see. Doomslayer, Master Chief. Yep. Let's go. Yep. Let's yep. go. You know, At first I thought you were going to say Dovahkiin. I'm not going to lie. At oh, first I was like, I, was I, was like, cool. I mean, I was going to let you get into that bag next. <laughs> but I, I, I just want to see, ever since that acquisition, I, I, I would like to see them in the same game in any vein. So uh, yeah. to, to his question, if it's Microsoft properties kind of against each other, mm. then that, or if he's talking, you know, NetherRealm wants to throw Mortal Kombat in a mix, I, I would just love to see them both in the mix and yeah. I can already the way Netherworld Doomslayer would be a great MK character oh even, bro oh. Don't, don't they screams MK yeah I, I didn't even think of that wow, bro I'm thinking like guess. I think in Mortal Kombat like I'm a Mortal Kombat guy and I, I think like mm. look, the robots they have like the Cyrax and the you know all that sector right. and all that stuff and the abilities so I'm just just my mind's just going with the moveset mm. like so those mm. two I just feel like they would really fit well in it but what you got what you got who, who you got Ooh. in the mix oh man uh, let's see here I would like to see I'm thinking of a specific face-off. Mm. Let's say, um, let's go. Let's say I want to say like Banjo. Ooh, I want to throw Banjo okay, in the mix, okay. right? And you know, we've already seen him in Smash, so yes. Banjo's got to be tossed into this Microsoft mm -hmm. crossover fighter. Would and here's the thing: what's cool about Smash is you'll see these unlikely characters just beating the life out of each other. So, like, I want to see Banjo square up with with. I'm gonna say like Corvo Atano from oh. Dishonored, and, and just this supernatural assassin versus like Mister, like just <laughs> going back and forth. That's just I, I would I would kill to see that man. I don't know what Xbox is doing. They got to go do this now, man. I uh, you know there's so many. Of course, Dovahkiin versus yeah. like oh. a, a, a Brotherhood of Steel soldier mm. power armor. I'd love to see that. Mm. So what many IP are there? Would, would a Forza Horizon car? I make know, the like cut? a car, or like a <laughs> like you have a Forza background. I'm like my mind's going. So it's like I also want to see. I want to see Senua. I want to see Senua mm. in there. Oh, some, of course. you know what I'm saying. I want to see her in there. You know, there's so many properties. Like Joanna Dark. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Like yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, just it, it's so many cool characters. And I would just think of, again, I'm dipping in your back. It would be kind of like how you talk about a banjo. It would kind of be funny, like, to have... I don't know what you do with, with Fallout, but I was thinking, like, Pit-Boy... <laughs> Pit-Boy would be savage. Like, just make him extra savage. Because <laughs> pit Boy's funny. Thing, is, is I, always, I always was vouching for, for, for Vault Boy to be oh boy. A, uh, a, a Smash character, because I was thinking to myself, if you look at all the perk images yeah. that are in Fallout 4... This guy does a wild amount of stuff. Like he, he's represented in a wild amount of ways. He's a medic. He's a brutal killer. He's a mysterious stranger. Like you can just do everything yes. with this guy. He would be an incredible Smash character. They make, gave him a, a, a me costume. So I'm like, all right, whatever, fine. <laughs> but dude, 100, percent he would be great. Just make him a brutal savage. Yes. Blow people's minds. Yes. I would be all over that. Oh my god. Let's see it. here. What else do they got? They got they got battle toads. They could dip into a little bit. Uh, we saw we saw one of the Battletoads characters and Arbiter make it into Killer Instinct, so yes, maybe they they bring those back. They could throw in Hero from Fable. Ooh, that'd okay, a, that'd be okay. a decent yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. I'm trying to just comb through all the IP. Oh, and, I mean, and, we, and we what gotta throw sense. Marcus 
gears. Oh, jeez. Bro, yeah. we bug oh it, gosh. right? We got to yeah. throw wow. the gears characters. Yeah. I, and a special shout out, because I'm hardcore, I'm Gears Tactics. I'm hard. I rep Gears Tactics hard. Mm. I got to shout out my man Gabe. I love Gabe. I love that whole roster. Gabe, Sid, Makai, they're great characters. So I would always push for that. I was happy to see them in uh, Gear, <laughs> Gears 5 in the multiplayer. But yeah, the Absolutely. Gears universe is so many rich characters. Here's the thing, right? Mm-hmm. It is you know we're talking Microsoft, but I'll, I'll dip my toes into third party a little bit, or we should together. The reason I say that is because Smash isn't all made of just Nintendo characters. You know, a lot of what makes it is watching Hero from Dragon Quest square off with with Ridley from from Samus yes. uh, or from Metroid. Sorry. And so, if you could just pick one third party character, does, does anyone in particular come to mind for you where mm-hmm. you're like, you know? This is this is a character I want to see in a fighting game. It's hard to make a pick, right? Because we get so many guest so characters like Two B from Nears and mm-hmm. Soul Calibur Six, and like that was that would have been one of my picks, but that was pretty dope. Does anyone come to mind for you right off the bat? If not, I mean it's fine. It's kind of off the wall question. That's a good question, man. There's so many. Damn, which one? you know what's funny? Because like Smash has so many cool ones, mm-hmm. so I'm trying to think of something different outside of the Smash the Smash universe. Um, we got my Tekken. Um, I can't yeah, think right. of blanket, man. What, what, what you I got? Know, no, it's, it's funny. I thought you were going to look at your own T-shirt and pull something from that with the I little mean, Titanfall. <laughs> the only, I mean, like, the only thing is, like, they're so beastly. Like, you can't really pick yeah. a pop. <laughs> like, you can't have preparing for, like, that would have to be the special move. Or maybe yeah. maybe the pilot, right? And then I guess, that's, yeah. like, his super, and then, you know, stand by for Titanfall. You know what I'm saying? That would be fire, but I'm trying to think. I was actually looking in the reflection. I saw the Heartless up here from Kingdom Hearts. And I was like, yeah, Sora, for sure. Sora from Kingdom Hearts would still be my pick. That'd be good to see. Oh, I got one. I mean, if they it initially was on an Xbox platform, I don't know. And they, they used to have a good relationship. And I am Lord Cognito, the, the gaming ninja. So I got to go with like a Ninja Gaiden, man. Like, I don't know if that could, you know what I'm Dude, saying? Right? Yeah, you high boost? Yeah, you know absolutely. what I'm saying? Like, come on. Like, that yeah, would be yeah, kind of yeah. fire, you know? He's in Dead or Alive, so I mean, mm-hmm. pull him over. Yes. Give him a little more representation, a little bit more, a little more eyes on the product. Get yes. more people caring about this thing that everyone just forgot was amazing. I yes. mean, have you played the trilogy yet? For the uh, I haven't played the trilogy yet. The, was it the black one? Uh, they the, they re-released the, the trilogy yeah. last month, and I didn't even know. I didn't. Yeah, out. they did. I I knew about it. I just didn't get to it. Yeah, yeah man. I, I was so excited it. for it, and then it came out, and I went, wait, wait what? What? Yep. This? Bro, games. Pass me by, man. Games. So many games. <sighs> Last question before we get into the news comes from Max Gale. Hello, lords and dukes. Here's a question regarding Game Pass, but on a different take. How has Xbox Game Pass affected your spending on other hobbies or on gaming, Xbox, or other platforms? We talk about the savings you get with all the entries you can get, but with the savings, do you put that somewhere else for your enjoyment? I personally started buying more indie games. Just bought Beasts of Marvelia, or Maravilla, sorry. And Death Store. As well as I started investing in my other hobby, which is driving events. I live in England, so my goal is to hit all the racetracks in five-hour driving distance, hopefully over the next five years. I have three out of ten so far, so it'll be a while. Thank you for writing in, Max. This is a great question. We always talk about great value. You know, they've saved us money. Mm-hmm. Cog, we're, we're enthusiasts. Have they saved us money or have we oh. actually spent more? <laughs> Yeah, it's a good question. I think that, it, you know, I've actually done the indie scene as well. I've also done actually surprised because of saving money on Game Pass. I've actually bought 
games from other platforms or seventy dollars. You know what I'm saying? Because of the fact that you know I have this extra income. Because sometimes you get so surprised, you be like, "Oh, that's a game pack. Oh, good. I ain't got to You know what I'm saying? I ain't got to spend mm-hmm. that. But wash yeah, your hands a bit. Yeah. Absolutely. So for me, it's been the indie scene. I've been really hitting that up. Um, a lot of stuff that I missed on the indie scene. It was this um silly one. It's an older game, but I love it. It fits the Lord's name. It's called Yes Your Grace. It is the most oh, it's hol- a great game. Oh, you play? Oh, bro, yeah. it's hilarious. And you just yeah. sit there. The subjects come up to you and yeah yep i'll just it's like so yeah good. i gotta do it and um yeah just like certain little indie games that i may have missed out on um I- i've done that and uh, again all other platforms that's what that's what i've kind of done right for me it's been game collecting so technically it's going back into games but sometimes i'll play a game on game pass and go i really like this and buy it physically because i just like to build my collection so that is one thing that happens where incidentally yeah money saved but also money spent in the same place I mean, but also just I like to collect, you know, Game Boy Advance games. It's my favorite system of all time. And so, like, I'll I'll take $40 and put it towards Lord of the Rings Third Age on Game Boy Advance Complete Box instead of going and buying, I don't know, Psychonauts 2 or whatever it comes out. You know, I, I don't know. And, and, and that money save goes just somewhere else. That or food. DoorDash, DoorDash with them taxes, <laughs> you- ha- ha- just they, they have been expensive. Oh. I have made these 20 dollar in uh, you know meal investments and and suddenly it's 35 <laughs> so all i'm saying is game pass has saved me there for sure yes but, uh, yes i'm a big doordash guy I'm especially I'm in the pandemic you doordash I'm I, I use doordash my backup that's my backup but but what's u- your primary uh, uber eats uber eats yeah, oh, okay I'll do, I'll do, yeah i get that i used to use uber i used it uber eats was my travel app like okay, if i was okay, okay. if i was uh you know in la for a preview event or something then Uber Eats gets broken out, but here okay. locally, locally, DoorDash, Dash. yeah, that's my go-to. You. They're they're you. they're quick, easy. And yes, fun. I've only had messed up orders on Uber Eats. That's the thing. Really? I, is yeah. it the opposite for you? I'm guessing, right? It's probably. I think it's just based on location and region. Yeah. I, what it, what it is is DoorDash's box experience has been good. My only issue is just that the the restaurants and the stuff that I like tend to be in Uber. It's Uber Eats, so I'm like, damn, I just wish, you know, say that kind of yeah. thing, but I'm with you on that. <laughs> <laughs> For me, it's to do, like, I'll, I'll be sitting there, you know, at these preview events, because you're not home, you don't have, like, access to snacks, you got to order everything, mm-hmm. so I'll be sitting there, by the way, not complaining, go, happy to be there, but, you know, I'll be sitting there, and, uh, you know, I'm like, all right, let me get this food, and they'll, like, deliver the wrong burger, like, it'll yeah. come with, like, the wrong side dish, I'm like, yeah. all right, I guess I'll eat it, but, like, I have no other choice <laughs> at this point. That's the worst, too, when you hungry and they mess it up, bro, yeah. oh, we get into that. <laughs> I've been to hotels where that happens, too, and, and there's, like, no food served there, so you're just... And you're done, like, your yeah. choice ruined. You gotta yep. eat it, you gotta, gotta eat, eat it. it, no choice. I feel you. <laughs> Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Hey, I'm Nolan Sykes, a host of Past Gas, the number one automotive podcast in the world. Every week, my co-hosts, James Pumphrey, Joe Weber, and I bring you some of our favorite stories from the hollowed halls of car history. From the amazing to the weird to the utterly unforgettable moments, we cover it all. Join us as we take a look at the wild stories and larger-than-life characters behind legendary cars 
and car makers. So if you love cars or just like a good story, check out Past Gas by Donut Media, the number one automotive podcast in the world. All right. We got some exciting news to dive into this week, some Xbox stuff, but our first two are going to really focus more on reports across the industry on some pretty big topics, one of them being the future of Grand Theft Auto. So let's get it started with number one. Fans have long wondered how long Grand Theft Auto V will hang around until after uh, a new entry in the series that always seems to find its way onto the sale charts. Industry insider Tom Henderson reported the game will arrive 2024 or 2025, to which Jason Schreier of Bloomberg and Andy Robinson of Video Game Chronicles corroborated. Henderson also sprinkled in details on the game for fans to discuss. This would leave a whopping six-year gap between Red Dead Redemption 2 and the next full release from the studio, GTA re-releases withstanding. The game is reported to be a modern take on Vice City, the Miami-inspired location for the GTA franchise. Interestingly, the game's map will be altered over time in the same way that a live service game like Fortnite would. Given how early it is in the project, there is room for change with these details, so do take them with a grain of salt. Peter Sismagoo writes in, Hello, Marvelous Maddie and ludicrous Lord Cog. What are your takes on Grand Theft Auto 6 coming no sooner than 2025? By the way, I totally called it that the game would take place in Vice City with the logo being just GTA Vice City VI in capital letters, of course, to symbolize the Roman numeral 6. Hearing rumors, it will feature a dynamic map similar to Fortnite. I'm worried the game will not feature a single player campaign. What do you think? If that's the case, I will only forgive them if they uh, release a GTA 3 full on remake as well. Maddie, the work you put into this podcast is well appreciated. And thank you for introducing me to the wonderfully sexy gentleman that sits right next to you on our screens. Looking forward to hundreds and hundreds of episodes with you two. And I mean, hey, great timing for that. You know, Cog got a nice cut. Like he's looking great, man. So Maddie waited for it too. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Salute the man. So, yeah, go for it. GTA 6, man. Uh, it's kind of wild to be talking about this when, I, as I said at the top of this, 5 is always in the top of the sales charts. We're sitting there going, oh, they don't need to do another GTA for like another decade. They'll be fine. They'll keep selling it and they'll go work on Cog. I've been wanting it, man. Bully 2. No Bully 2, though. Bully 2, I'm with you. I'll, I'll bitch about that later, I'll but we got, we got GTA 6. Let's talk yes. about what we have. Yes. So what do you make of some of these details? Really, the, the, the evolving map seems yeah. to be the standout point of discussion for you. That yeah, it's, for it's, people. It, it's interesting, man. I mean, it, it, actually, I don't mind it. It sounds pretty cool. You know, a little, little new take on it. You know, so I know people getting worried of getting a Fortnite bag and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. I, I think it's actually pretty cool. And, and to his question in reference to, I don't think I would be shocked if they got rid of a single player component. I do know that the multiplayer is the gift that keeps giving. We look mm-hmm. at those sales charts. We look at that MPD, and I'm like, Grand Theft Auto is still up there. Like, it is yeah. insane. Yeah. Like, I've never seen legs like that in the industry. So, yeah, I mean, until that point, you can't really blame them for like, hey, they're still playing. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Let's no, get- they're doing the right thing, I think. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, they I released agree. Red Dead in the middle of all that. Mm-hmm. Red Dead was great, you know, and I mean... I understand it as an Elder Scrolls fan, right? You you know, here we are 10 years after Skyrim and it's probably going to be until like close to 2030 that we see Elder Scrolls 6. So like, I, I totally get where GTA fans who are hardcore about this franchise, how they feel. Mm-hmm. I, I understand. But to me, yeah, I don't know if they're going to drop single player for this. And we have another story after this, which indicates more 
live service design elements mm-hmm. uh, in a in a in a seemingly single player environment. Um, and it's sort of up in the air on how this is all going to be handled. Uh, so that's why I wanted to front line both these these articles, uh, just because they're so close together, it seems, in design. Obviously, I will say, because we're going to talk about Ubisoft after this, I trust Rockstar much more than anybody yes. when it comes to handling this. Yes. I think there's potential in the idea of an evolving map. As an RPG fan, I, I can't help but think of something like, hey, what if Elder Scrolls Six comes out? I imagine this is what Todd Howard meant by waiting for technology mm-hmm. and side quest lines could evolve. Uh, like characters, stories don't really end. Um, they keep going. Mm. It's alluring in one way because RPGs are great because you play them and then you replay them and you see how different things happen. Right. But there's also something kind of cool about a single player game where its world doesn't just stop in one time frame, right. but it keeps going. So what do you what do you make? Because I'm very conflicted. I'm a little worried though, because I feel it's a slippery slope. That's what's happened. There's potential here, but this is a slippery slope. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I'm conflicted. The the tech part of me loves it, right? The tech part of me says, "Yo, you just beat this big open world game, and now the game continues. It lives on. Maybe dynamic quest, some type of online functionality." But then there's a part of me that says. You know about the monetization of the industry. Mm. You know about, you know, structure. And sometimes there's a beauty to having a finite, you know, start and end, right? And I'm with you, man. I'm torn because I'm just worried that, you know, the powers that be, publishers, listen, monetization model, right? Yo, let's get, you know, yo, $5 a month, you get that online, you get that continual quest of the Elder Scrolls saga. You know what I mean? I'm I'm exaggerating, I'm embellishing, but... But, dude, it's not unrealistic. And, and, you know, you look at, you know, which we're going to talk about Ubisoft, and you look at what's going on there and their transition there. I mean, they were already, you know, putting in the the monetization model heavy in the Creed Mm -hmm. games as far as, you know, progression and things like that. So, um... It's it's a you said the best word. It's a slippery slope because on one hand it could be done for good for games that we love. On other hand, I'm worried about a boardroom and a guy telling the dev you need to monetize this some way somehow. We need to get reoccurring revenue from these single player games, and that's the part where it gets sketchy for me. Yeah, and exactly that, right? It it just. I don't foresee a developer making a single player game, unless you're Rockstar, who literally has the revolving money doors of GTA Online. I them withstanding. I don't. I don't expect other developers to create a single player environment and pound away with quests and new locations to explore. Which we're going to touch on Ubisoft in a second on how that's going to be handled. Um, all these different things and just add it for free. There's got to be something that buoys the game and gives it its revenue to then spend on what's going to be added uh that's just how it works that's how it's always worked so with that in mind let's get into number two which you know this all connects into one big conversation a report came from bloomberg's jason schreier on the future of assassin's creed codenamed infinity this latest entry sets out to create a massive online platform that will evolve over time so just note the wording there he used massive online platform Uh, whereas GTA was evolving map. 
This means the game will take place in multiple settings rather than one, with room to expand into others in the months and years to follow its release. This will be a combined effort of the Ubisoft Montreal and Quebec teams, who typically set out to do their own entries in the franchise. The game reportedly won't be out until 2024, and Jason says he doesn't know how or if multiplayer will be implemented, which, once again, I found interesting because it's online, so you can have a single-player game in a way, but you still got to be connected online. So there's a difference there. It's, it's very... It's a very tight line to walk. Ubisoft has also been the home to a toxic workplace environment for years. A case so widely known that hashtag Ubisoft, hold Ubisoft accountable, sorry, became a trending topic and led to the rise of coverage on the company's dark secrets. In response to any changes made, a Ubisoft spokeswoman had the following to say in response to Jason's story. Any employee that had allegations and remained at Ubisoft has had their their case rigorously reviewed by a third party and were either exonerated or underwent appropriate disciplinary actions, she said. Employees who have been under investigation would not remain at Ubisoft if results of investigations warranted termination. Despite this, several men accused of abuse remain in lead roles within the company. So they say that they were either under appropriate disciplinary action, but yet they are still in lead roles. Mm. So those two do not line up. Mm. We'll obviously touch on that in a few, yeah. but let's continue our conversation here while all the thoughts are in mind of, of now we got Ubisoft who's, they came out with their own little post after all this saying, hey, this is what's happening with the future of Assassin's Creed. I mean, they talked about Infinity. They've been working on this post for about a week now, so it really wasn't directly in response to Jason's story. Uh, but what do you think of of now we got two big developers taking a dive into this evolving mm-hmm. format? Yeah, I mean, Ubisoft, I'm not surprised. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this to me, I felt they were leading this way for a while. Look, you know, this makes sense. I think they're gonna, you know, they're gonna talk about they talk about the two Quebec teams and, and having this this type of um, model. The name it's funny. Like I, I I just think the name Infinity. Like we are gonna yeah. be here for a long time. And Dude, again, Halo doing this. Like they want you there forever, forever. Like you just gonna live. You know what I'm saying? So for me, I, look, I'm always willing to give people a shot. Uh, you know. This is the type of stuff I don't... Like, I already played Destiny, man. I already got my online, you know, forever kind of evolving world kind of thing. Now, for people who love the universe, this may appeal to them. You know, I just feel... I'm concerned for the person who, again, who loves that single-player, finite experience. You know, there you go. (laughs) I'm worried about you, Maddie. Like, this doesn't screen... Like, if you love Assassin's Creed and you're hearing Infinity, are you ever going to get a definitive story from, like, when I remember when when Desmond and all that stuff, when I used to play it? Because I kind of... I felt... Listen, I fell out of it when I felt the games were getting too big. Just... Mm. It was just like Valhalla. I was just completely intimidated. When I, I was, I had OCD with all things on the on the map yeah, and yeah, stuff like that. Yeah. So I, I just feel it was getting too big. But some people love it. They want to be immersed, right? But at least there's a start, there's an end, right? You know, now you're talking this live service, and that's my bag. I, live service is our soul suckers. They want you to be completely invested. There's going to be a monetization model. You best believe in this. You know what I mean? And People better get ready. You know, it, it, it's it's up to them. I'm always willing to give people a shot just because I haven't seen it. For me to just trash yeah. it, that I haven't seen it. But to leave one model and then completely go into this, 
they may get backlash at it, but I'm very concerned. How, where are you with the Assassin's Creed franchise and just in general about all this? I like Assassin's Creed. I don't like this because one of the things is I've always said in my reviews, like I understand the complaint about bloat. Like I loved Odyssey, but I said like this game's bloated. Valhalla, I thought was one of the better entries. The DLC and, and post-launch support has sort of ruined that for a lot of fans. But at its base release, I thought this game was actually really good. One of the best in the series, in fact. I, I just liked its story a lot, its characters, its world. Uh, it was just a really fun romp for me. But m to your point, they eventually ended. And there's some hilarious level of irony that Ubisoft, a company known for making bloated games, is going to make a game that doesn't fucking end <laughs> when people already think that their game doesn't end. There's something special about that that you only find in gaming. <laughs> and I just, I, I really was shocked when I read this, not because of the design philosophy, but really I was like, your games are already so big, <laughs> so big. That doesn't even get me into my main point, which we touched Ooh. on Elder Scrolls Six. I worry about my RPGs because I'm with you. They need to end. I'm sorry. I know some people like the live service stuff. I respect it. I respect like you like your destiny. No, there are you. games f for that. Games need to end though. People don't got time for this shit. They don't. Facts. They do not have time for this. Games need to end. Now, if it's like, I'm going to separate them because because Infinity sounds, from Assassin's Creed, sounds more live service-y like we've expected. If Rockstar is doing an evolving map where, I mean, there are so many cool little stories that people are still uncovering in Red Dead where you can go to like a, a cabin yeah. and find like a haunted Saul mystery, something game. like haunted mm -hmm. cabin or, or mysteries there. And there's these untold stories in the world. If they're doing that and they're peppering those in and the world truly is evolving that way quietly, and like I said, it's not built on this online platform, but more so just like you download updates mm -hmm. and it's not like you're connecting to other people's worlds right. and it's like share world. That's fine, man. Because Rockstar does some phenomenal player world interactions. So that sounds like it's in their wheelhouse. I trust them. They do good work. But what I see Ubisoft doing and... I just see Rockstar doing it. You got to imagine these aren't the only two doing it. These, the, a lot of these companies chase the trend. We saw what happened with Battle Royale. You yeah. know, I would not be surprised if EA eventually dipped their toes in this once they've oh, caught yeah. wind of it. Uh, just with how they, you know, they love single, or, or I'm sorry, they love their multiplayer. They love their live service. Then they went back to single player. They're like, Bioware, we're going to let you do your thing. Mm -hmm. Respawn, we're going to let you do your thing. Now they're going to get a sniff of, hey, we can have our cake and eat it too. We can mm. do our single player and our live servers. And they're like, oh, <laughs> oh yeah. Like, and now they're going to rub their hands a little bit. I'm, I'm concerned, man. I'm yeah. concerned for sure. Yeah, it's the traditionalist and me talking. Absolutely. But mm. I am 100% worried for single player games in a way. In a, in a way. Not doomsday, cataclysmic type <laughs> worry. But it, I am sitting here like, all right. We, we're going to really have to, to just love our indies big time now. And our double A, like our, our, our games from Focus Home Interactive, who, who maybe aren't going to go as big and broad. Those are the companies you still want to keep an eye on for sure. Yeah, I'm with you, brother. That, that, that's why, you know, to the, the finish your point, you know, I'm excited when I see the acquisitions Microsoft makes for you like the and the like i said the, the, to me it's almost like they're the king of the western rpg with all the Absolutely. studio and and you like to see that we'll get into it later to preserve those type of games because you need both mm. everything can't be live service bro and i i love love my live service here and there but i could only be married to one and too many is it's it's it's, it's crazy. exactly man and mm. and 
it's one thing I respect. I'm going to call out a random game. Mm-hmm. It's one thing I respect about Fantasy Star Online 2 New Genesis. Mm-hmm. It is an MMO, but I beat it. There wasn't like this limitless mountain of content to just comb through. And it's like you're constantly stressed. I finished the story that was available and Kaga laid it down and I'm waiting for the next update, man. And it's great. It's, it's a great. good game. Yes. And that's it. I agree. You know, and, and so maybe that's not the most business savvy. You know, of course, every company has their own different budgets and ways of handling how uh, uh, assets are, are, are developed. I understand that. But I just can't help but look at this and, and be a little concerned. Yeah, absolutely. Equally as concerning is the uh, the workplace conditions for Ubisoft. Uh, there have been multiple stories uh, about the the toxic workplace environment there. And now we're hearing again, like, oh, yeah, we're taking it seriously. We've looked into it. We've made the proper changes. They're saying they're taking these actions. They've, they, they redid their entire internal review process, they had said previously. And now they're saying that, oh, well, they it would have... It would have uh, led to them being exonerated or disciplinary actions would have been taken. But yet these people are still in charge. Um, so a, a very hairy situation there. How do you, of course, I think that's, that's obvious how you feel. But what do you make of where Ubisoft's at right now with that? Yeah, this, this is a big, you know, sore subject for them. You know, they, 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 they've, been, they've been getting creamed by this because, you know, obviously we're hearing that people in lead roles are still, you know, operating you know and, and people want accountability the key is accountability they, they have to be very transparent with what's going on how they're, they're truly taking action mm-hmm. and if if things are getting swept under the rug i'm not assuming i don't have all the details that's yeah. going to be a problem the, the, the pressure is still going to be on they they had a lot of dirty laundry come out and um it's unfortunate it's unfortunate but um one would just hope that they are truly taking proper action and that this is not just lip service from pr to kind of brush things under the rug but that's what i got on it what you got on it bro i can appreciate the idea of not being overly reactionary and just like terminate them all i totally get that Mm -hmm. i i like the idea of doing the investigation yes verifying everything i think that's important but when it's recurrent and it's a lot of people and they're all saying it internally and it's constant and it's continuous that's not just something that's hey, let's just do this. Something's happening, right? Uh, and it's why the hashtag went trending. It's why people have uh, have stopped buying their games, obviously not in mass to affect their bottom line, but people are starting to catch up to them. I was guilty of it for, for, for months and months and months. I used to I used to very much be a fan of Ubisoft and how they handled things. Their creator relations are fantastic. Mm-hmm. I, they still are. Yeah. These situations are separate. The way they interact with people, their the way they provide review codes, their communication... I can confidently say someone who's just worked with them on that level, it's very good yeah. uh, compared to other companies. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was always like, oh, they're they're fine. And I think a lot of people bought into that mindset of like their worst flaw is the bloated game. Right. And then you start to hear this and it's like, all right. like, And you start to learn that these bloated games and these design decisions stemmed from the poor leadership of these fucked up people yeah, inside yeah. Uh, who are making it horrible for everyone. And there were games that like uh, Assassin's Creed Odyssey where Cassandra very clearly the lead character in Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Yes. Very clearly if you pick her. But they originally did not want to have her be the lead character and just because she's a woman. Right. And they were like, okay, let's put Alexios in there. And Alexios, like, no, no offense to him, just right. not as good, didn't That's fit as well, yep. felt very slapped on. And and so I just, I, I look at it and think to myself, you know, like it's it's gotten to a point where it's not only affecting people's workplace environment, but it's 
affecting creatively the games and it's led to widespread complaints for Ubisoft on their their product too. So I don't know why they're not hasty to take action because I mean, money talks, yeah. right? So I can immediately argue with myself and go, that's why. <laughs> but I feel like there's stuff that could be addressed with this both internally, externally. Yeah, I mean, it, it to me, again, without knowing all the details, I'm just going from, right. from the outside in, but when you have repetitive actions like that, then to me, it, it denotes culture. There has to be a culture change and maybe the powers that be that are in place are still, you know, festering that. Maybe that is still festering. Maybe that's why this stuff becomes reoccurring. Because it's one thing to have a singular incident with a singular person, but when it keeps reoccurring, then you got to worry about, okay, what's the culture inside the building that's allowing this kind of thing to keep happening? That's the thing. If it keeps happening, you got to overhaul it from top to bottom. Like, it starts with Evie's Gilmont, and it goes down. Like, it's got to, if the culture continues up. Yeah, you just can't be running that type of company. It's just that simple. Agreed. So we'll see as we learn more details. For now, let's get into some Xbox stuff with number three. Hot on the heels of our previous episode of Defining Duke was an interview that dropped from IGN involving Phil Spencer. A lot of questions were asked, but one of the most noteworthy quotes is where Phil stands on 343's seemingly make or break moment as a developer with Halo Infinite. Quote, Halo will be here 10 years from now. Is Infinite the linchpin on whether it survives that long? Absolutely not. The game has such a rabid fan base and such a rich history and lore that it's just an IP that's going to be with us. We don't take that for granted, but I definitely believe in my core that is true. I think there are going to be millions of people that are going to play that game and love that game. I'm sure there will be some people that will see opportunities for us to do more, and that's just the nature of being in the entertainment business, and we accept it. That's just the kind of thing that we have signed up for, and we love being a part of that. I think game teams, whether it's our teams or any team out there, they put enough pressure on themselves in delivering for customers. And when you're on a franchise that's as big as Halo, with such focus on every step and every word that's said, I trust the team, I trust the progress they're making, and I have confidence in Halo Infinite. And I just think that's all that needs to be said there. I don't think it's make or break. I just don't believe that. End quote. So we're going to get into some more. But yeah, I apologize to the audience who, you know, we, we, we literally record on Wednesdays. So sometimes we're a little behind on on stuff that happens that same week. It's just one of the unfortunate things that occurs with uh, how we balance sacred symbols, defining Duke, recording mm. times, getting the thread in for patron questions. So if this sounds old, it's because it's a little bit old. <laughs> Another noteworthy quote coming from Phil Spencer is his stance on acquisitions. Quote, it doesn't mean that every team has to end up selling their studio, but I think it is a natural and healthy part of an industry that certain teams will start a studio. Many of them will fail. We know most small businesses fail, whether it's video games or anything else, but those that make it through and at such a kind of risk-filled journey for them to get to the point to create real value, I'm always going to congratulate when teams get to the point where they realize that value through acquisition or just massive independent success if that's the path they also start to on, end quote. Phil also noted the weaknesses of Xbox's portfolio in that conversation, which was a global presence as well as more family games. So, chock full of Phil comments here, starting with Halo, ending with acquisitions. Where mm -hmm. do you want to begin, Cog? Yeah, let me start with Halo, man. I, I actually agree with Phil completely on this. And, and I understand the sentiment from the uh, Xbox community because I feel if this was a situation prior to all the studio acquisitions, right? Then I would say, yo, Infinite got a hit. 
You know what I'm saying? Like, yo, if Infinite don't hit, (laughs) it's going to be a problem. And don't get me wrong, there's still pressure in the sense of we all want a great Halo Infinite game. But this whole make it or break it part, I'm with him on that because it's like, at the end of the day, you know, it's going to be around. You know what I'm saying? It's going to, look, if it don't hit, then I've always said this. I've been firm believer that, yo, there, there may be some structural loop changes at 343 coming off of Five Guardian. Again, not that it was a terrible game, but from a campaign standpoint, it wasn't well received. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So now with this, we'll see. You know what I'm saying? So I'm with him on that on that part. Um, as far as the, um, you know, the, the whole, the, the portfolio part, you know, I think that, you know, I think they're going to look into other situations where they get family-friendly games. They, they need a diverse lineup if they're going to make Game Pass the driving force. You can't just have all RPGs, right? You just can't have all... I'm oh, sorry, man. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I, know, I know that's what you want. I'll laugh. <laughs> but you, know you can't have all of what drives. So you, you got to have the family games. We, we talked about the fighting games, right? We talk about, you know, JRPGs, right? You got to have this diverse lineup that hits all these different regions that's going to appeal, the racing and all yeah. this other stuff. So I'm with him there. And, and the last point, and I'll, and I'll finish up. I love what he said about the, the studio acquisition part two in reference to stability because me and you've talked about this manny right you know when people look at being acquired some gamers look at it as a negative and i'm like oh you know they're just buying up country company you know studios bro and they're not cool and it's like it's such a risk filled position and and thing that it's like yo like to get someone to fund your game to get it across the finish line and have that stability where you're not looking over you got to pay the rent you got to it's real man so it's like i like those stories where we hear a a, a project come over the finish line because someone helped out whether it be sony microsoft whoever right you want your favorite studios and games to exist and if they can't complete it or get it done What's the other alternative? They go away, they die. You, cause so they can say that they did it on their own, they nurtured it by themselves. Like, cut your ego out. If someone's willing to help you and they believe in your project, I'm doing the deal. <laughs> That's yeah. just me. But what you think, Matty? I'm the same way, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if I build a team and, and there's value that can be put on it and you don't got to look over your shoulder as often, yeah, you, you take that 10 out of 10 times. And I think anyone who doesn't, I mean, yeah, it's, it's great if you can remain independent, but... Um, like you said, yeah, I, I do believe there's a stripping of the ego. And I understand like the desire to keep these more independent giants like a Square Enix independent. That makes more sense. But I'm talking about a uh, a, a Yacht Club games, like who's making Shovel Knight and they're publishing uh, Cyber Shadow. Like, yeah, those companies, like, you know, if they're being offered money to, to join Xbox or PlayStation or Nintendo, it's like, you know what? Yeah, like you should take that, right? Like you you don't need to, to, to worry too much now. Mm-hmm. For Halo... It's interesting because he talked about Halo and he, of course, mentions the team, but he more so talks about the IP, like Halo is going to be with us. But then he also mentions how, you know, this, you know, he doesn't want to put pressure on the team. And I do wonder if Infinite isn't very good and it isn't well received and doesn't have those legs. What does happen with 343? Now, a lot of people go doomsday level and say, shut down. No, it's never going to happen. Never. But. We saw them shift a little bit with the Killer Instinct. Mm-hmm. It's really the only example we have um, where I just don't want to take that off the table. I think after four being a, it's well received, but it dies fast, mm-hmm. and five being a game that the campaign was was so poor to people that it really damaged the the property mm-hmm. as a whole. It really mm-hmm. did, right? The complaints did not source from. We talked about this with Chris on an episode of Defining Duke Ultimate. 
a lot of the complaints for five were really not about the multiplayer. Yeah, sprinting was a little upsetting for people, but it really came from the campaign. Like it matters that much to people. So with Infinite having this 10 year long plan and they're saying, oh yeah, like the campaign's going to evolve. <laughs> There's about? that word again, Daddy. Yeah. Yeah, like it's going to evolve. <laughs> I'm like, all right, if it doesn't have a finish, kind of like Halo 5 didn't have a finish. Yeah. I don't know how people are going to be like, yeah, 343 is the team. I, and I don't know how Xbox could continue to justify. And that's not me saying I don't trust 343 because everything I've seen about Halo Infinite, you know, withstanding the August showcase on a graphical level. Yes. But correct. gameplay wise, multiplayer, what we're hearing, everything sounds great to me. Mm-hmm. It really does. So I feel like this is going to be the one that they do hit. But we need to talk about the realistic possibility of yeah. if they don't. Yeah. And so I'm glad that Phil's got this back. He's not putting more pressure on the team. But I also think it's a question where he can kind of non answer it because he's not going to sit there and go, cog, they fuck up. We're going to have a talk. We're going to have a talk. We might get rid of them. Like he's not going to say that. And so, and so, you know, of course that I don't want to devalue his answer here, which was much more open than I think people Mm -hmm. anticipated. But I do think, People are kidding themselves. If the, if Infinite comes out and it's busted, if they don't sit down and have a talk and oh, go, yeah. okay, Brun and Joe Staten, we, we've done everything. We gave you the money. We gave you an extra year. And we still have something that's not really great. What happened? You know, absolutely right. I mean, the tea leaves are there. The fact that Staten, Staten was already... I always butcher it. Is it Staten or Staten? I always butcher uh, Staten. it. Staten. I thought it was Staten as well. Yeah, sorry. Staten, Staten yeah. the legend. Bungie. So when Staten is brought in... You can't tell me that there is, at this late in the stage, that there is some type of concern on a level that something needed to be handled, addressed, shift, shifted on a, on a managerial level. Mm-hmm. So to me, again, if they drop the ball with Infinite, then yeah, something may have to happen. Maybe he gets full right. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? But I agree. We're, I'm with you on that part. We're fooling ourselves if we think that absolutely nothing is going to happen if this game flops. But I think the Halo overall franchise as a whole will be okay. They'll just probably shift direction or whatever they want to do. Yeah, exactly. So we'll see. As for their expanding of the portfolio, I think this is pretty two wise areas to to touch on for him. Global makes more sense on a Japan level. And if we're to believe rumors, like we talked about in Defining Duke Ultimate, we've heard names like Crytek, but most notably like something such as Avalanche, which is a Swedish studio, could be talking global in the terms of like Europe. Uh, but family games, you look at PlayStation, they had Sackboy, they had Knack, Astrobot. They have these great games that come out for a younger audience, Ratchet and Clank, mm-hmm. um, that are also accessible to a older audience. And, you know, look, I, I say this with all due respect, I don't know if Psychonauts 2 is going to be that <laughs> that game. You know, like it doesn't, I could be wrong. I could be entirely wrong, but, uh, you know, they are lacking that family side of games. All I'm saying to is they got to remake Toy Story 3 and they'll be fine. That's what they got to do. <laughs> That's what Matty would. Have you ever played that? I've not. I have Dude, not. It's good. I'm telling you. Yeah. I'm telling the audience. Yeah. It is one. Of, it is the best movie tie-in game of all time. Ooh, oh, that's lofty. Okay. Now I got to check it out. It has a sandbox mode. That is fucking wild. It, you just walk around this like open world Toy Story game Ooh. and and you you collect like toy parts and you build your own city. Dude, it is nuts. Fire. Yeah. So they okay. gotta remake that. That's their that's their key to more family games. All right. Number four, another report. The deal between Metal Gear Solid creator Hideo Kojima and Microsoft has reached a new milestone. It is in the form of a signed letter of intent and word comes by way of VentureBeats' Jeff Grubb. This letter of intent states that the two parties intend to work together 
um, or intend to work out the details on a publishing agreement for a new Xbox game, according to sources familiar with the matter. This arrives after months of rumors that the two unlikely parties would be teaming up, and likely this means that we, the consumers, will see something from this partnership at some point in time. Not much is known about the game other than it makes use of cloud computing to reach its goal, as opposed to a specific game pitch like many other developers go through. Badly Brave writes in, Hey, Maddie and Cog, hope all is well. With Kojima and Microsoft allegedly signing a letter of intent and moving forward with the deal, I have two simple questions. First, what kind of game do you hope it is? Stealth, horror, strange genre? Second, do you have any thoughts on what it's likely to be? Kojima is hard to predict, so I understand if you skip over that part. Hope you guys have a great week. And props to Maddie, as always, and Cog for kicking ass already. All right. I'll hop into this because I know, Cog, you're having a little bit of construction work going on. So you're going to keep on and off muting just so the audience knows. I'm not just talking a mile a minute. So Cog can't. <laughs> for me personally, I want to see him go back to stealth. I feel like I feel like we saw a little bit of that with the Death Stranding director's cut, and immediately my interest went up a level. You know, like Death Stranding doesn't look like the worst game, but doesn't look like my type of game. So you, you as people know, you just carry these packages to and fro. But there there were a couple of gameplay moments sprinkled throughout. I probably would have been more on board with this game and more interested in it. So I do want to see him tackle that. And you know, one thing we do know about this game that Kojima said is. He doesn't want, I think, Cog, you, you wisely corrected me, is I'm like, does he want to make a, a, a more uplifting game or does he just not want to try to predict the future with this game like mm-hmm. he has so accurately on multiple occasions? And so on what it's likely to be, I'm thinking maybe it'll be something more, I would go to the length of saying fantastical, not like alternate history, but something more like this cannot happen in the right, real world. And right, if it right, does, right. oh no. You know, right, like... Right some like other planets or, or, or some fantasy setting. I'll go to that length mm-hmm. just because I truly believe he, he probably wants to just pull out of, yeah. if, if, you know, he dedicated a whole section to Jeff Keeley's show saying like, Oh, I don't want to make, you know, it, 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 like, I think he compared it to nine 11 and stuff. So, you know, looking at that, I mean, it's a pretty, as a New Yorker, it's a pretty huge comparison to make. And, yeah. uh, so I, th- I think he's going to try to make something separate from what is occurring in the real world and what mm-hmm. that may be. I don't know. I, I feel like cloud computing, the first thing I think of is something like what Microsoft Flight Sim did with generating a world map, combining that with like the strand genre and, and like, <laughs> accurate delivery to, to locations across the United States. <laughs> in, in, in all seriousness, I, I, I do see him sort of melding those two to some extent and maybe incorporating more gameplay moments in between. What do you think? Yeah, uh, apologies, y'all. They're going crazy by me. But um, yeah, I want stealth. I'm going to try to talk as loud as possible so you can see. But um, yeah, they got, they, I want stealth. I really do. I, I really want him to get back into that bag. You know, I think the Death Stranding aspect, you know, I'm okay with. But, you know, at least from the cloud implementation part, right? Mm-hmm. I want to see, I don't want a fully cloud based game, but I do want to see them from a um, standpoint of maybe the interactivity between the world and maybe other players and what they do in their own single player experiences. I think there's a lot to build there, but ultimately I would like a fresh take on stealth with him behind it. And, you know, of course the Kojimaism, the fantastical nature, yeah. that kind of stuff, you know what I'm saying? So Absolutely. that's way, but don't predict the future. Don't, we, we don't, we, we, he's too good at that. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say enough's enough, right? Lay that to rest. But this will likely be an Xbox exclusive. It's an interesting partnership nonetheless. If they're just signing a letter of intent to work together now and they've made the hires, I'm sure this won't be something we see for 
probably three years, four years. So it'll be some time, but it's good to have the details on it occurring. And I'm sure we'll see something in due time, but still really interesting. Nonetheless, just wanted to touch on that and provide an update. Number five, new additions to Xbox Game Pass in July. Dragon Quest Builders 2 arrives on cloud July 8th. So you already have this when you're listening to this, patron or just free listeners. Same thing goes for Tropico 6, which is on cloud console and PC July 8th. There's also UFC 4, which is cloud console and PC on July 8th. Then we move to July 15th, where we have Blood Roots on cloud console and PC. Farming Simulator comes to cloud console and PC. And the medium... Woo, your cloud. favorite. Yep. Your favorite. July 15th editions. Anything here uh, sticking out to you that maybe you'd, you'd want to play? I might try the UFC 4. Just, I, yeah, I didn't that's play. what I was thinking. Yeah, that's UFC what I was thinking. I've heard good things I'm... about Tropico. Mm-hmm. I always tell people, go play Dragon Quest Builders 2. Just, yes. Just yes. please. It's so good. It's so good, man. It's. <laughs> I put like 80 hours into it, man. It's so good. <laughs> I do need to try. I need to stop playing. I need to try it. It's, it, it literally takes minecraft and and i don't want to say it rpgifies it because it just sounds like i'm i literally like anything that has <laughs> playing in it i swear it goes beyond that though because here's what i mean right you got the minecraft collecting resources but imagine if minecraft gave you blueprints and there was like some action combat in there and like all these rooms that you build through the blueprints have purpose and like your 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 villagers will go in there and do certain things it's cool man it's cool i love it i, feel you. I love it so check it out Number six, EA Play will soon be upon us in just a few short weeks on July 22nd. And while rumors have swirled about the return of Dead Space, many quietly anticipated Bioware to have a strong presence given how deep the team is in Dragon Age 4 and upcoming releases like the next Mass Effect, as well as a possible multiplayer update for Mass Effect Legendary Edition. Recently, Bioware took to Twitter to inform fans that they will not be at the publisher's showcase as they are hard at work on their respective titles. While disappointing, Bioware also announced the next expansion to their long-running MMORPG, Star Wars The Old Republic, which is still currently only available on PC. The new expansion is titled Legacy of the Sith, and it arrives this holiday, 2021, where players will revisit Manon. Shout out to all my KOTOR fans, best plan in the game. Ow! The most exciting addition arrives in the form of Combat Styles which allows players to select various class abilities while still being able to experience other class stories. So just to quickly explain that, and then I'll finish up my write-up here. What happens with Star Wars The Old Republic is, is pretty much you will pick a, a Jedi Knight or something like that, and you'll have to play the Jedi Knight class story. Now you can say, I'm going to play as a ranger with its class, class abilities or a soldier with its class abilities, but I can do the Jedi Knight storyline. So it sort of opens up the game a lot more. On top of that, the game will receive an increase in its level cap and character creations receiving a bit of a revamp. Arsh Hundal writes in, What's up, Dukes? With Bioware confirming that they won't be present at EA Play this month, when do you think we can expect to see some gameplay from Dragon Age 4? Dragon Age 4 kind of has a lot of pressure on it to redeem Bioware's name because the last couple of releases from the studio, as we know, have not been great. However, this is a game that has been in development for six years and not much has been shown since. The game seems to be in development trouble, and I have low expectations for it since the current lead is the same person responsible for Anthem 2.0, a game that never came out. Thanks, Arsh. Thank you for writing in, Arsh. Ooh, 
Yeah, this Bioware, is, man. Yeah, man. I mean, this one hits for me because I, I, I played Inquisition and I really enjoyed it. And for those without spoiling that played it, you get to the end. There's a major thing that happens, reveal-wise, and I'm dying to know what's the next thing. So, you know, I'm very concerned about that. You know, like, we haven't seen anything from it, and I'm just like, yo, what's going on? So, yeah, that, that that's my take. I don't want it to be an Anthem 2 situation. I agree entirely, and I'm not really going to fault the director of Anthem 2.0 because they were dealt a pretty, pretty shitty hand and just said, like, hey, try to fix this thing that, that, that clearly no one's interested in anymore uh, and that Bioware is not known for. And it's going to have to do something insane to pull people back. So he was really fighting up a mountain with that one and uh, a major uphill battle. I don't really think that that devalues what this person brings to the table. That said, when it comes to Dragon Age 4, it's funny because I just made a video in the last couple of weeks on this game talking about its development history and just how I was worried about the game. And when I started off, I said to people, you're clicking on this and you might be thinking like something happened for me to be worried. I said, truthfully, nothing has occurred. Um, And so what I did was I dove back into the, the development history of this game that's been documented so far, where it started off as, I believe it was called Joplin. Um, Yeah. This was a single player role-playing game with heists, and it would allow you to be uh, replaying the game over and over in a much more tighter Bioware design rather than what we saw with Inquisition, which really blew things up. This was more along the lines of we're going to make a 30 hour game and make it highly replayable. Uh, that sounded as a longtime Bioware fan, a lifelong Bioware fan. Incredible. Like this yes. is exactly what we wanted. Then you go to later on in development and they merged it into a live service game. So you were probably going to start to see stuff like Avengers from Square Enix where you 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 see the elements of a single player game that has been turned into live service. Then a report comes out at the beginning of this year, thanks to Jedi Fallen Order, EA has allowed Dragon Age 4 to become a single player game Ooh. like it once was, free of live service and all that. Now that sounds great, but what's happened is this started off as one thing, turned into live service, uh, a lot of Bioware staff gotcha. working on it, left that were major players in the Bioware franchise, like Mark Dara worked on a ton of Dragon Age stuff gone. Then they go back and they're like, let's go ahead and make Dragon Age single player. So this game has had a to and fro development cycle. Makes sense now. Now this makes sense what you're saying. Yeah. So for me, it's like, yeah, they are deep in development. It has been six years, been longer than that. We got, we got, we got Inquisition in, in 2014. Yeah, that was about, close around the launch of Xbox One. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and so this was a and this was a game that Bioware was, you know, I've heard and it's been reported that they were kind of upset that this was a game of the year hit because its development process, its cycle, was so tumultuous and so agonizing in the way that mm. they were making RPGs for Frostbite that they kind of internally wanted the game to not do that well, wow. so then they could make it on Unreal. Wow. But then when it did well, EA was like, we're making it on Emboldened them. Wow. Yeah. And so it reversed things on them. And that's why I'm worried about Dragon Age 4. It's because I think Bioware internally gets it. Like, they understand the pressure. I don't think they're, they're, they're sweating over there. I think they get it. They needed a Mass Effect Legendary Edition type of win where it's like, you know, let's go. This is just a great game from Bioware. Yeah, it's a remaster package, but there's so much tech errors that could have came with the big changes in Mass Effect 1. 
I'm happy that they got something right. They needed that. Like they just need even a they small victory. That. The small victory is a big victory for them. But with Dragon Age Four, I'm concerned because of those major gaps, because of the 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 revisions to the game, and much like what occurred with Anthem, Bioware was given about eight seven years in that area with Anthem, and despite all the time they had. EA was not really putting the pressure on them. They gave them their time. And the anthem we got was made in less than two years. Yep. And so management problem, not in the way we talked about with Ubisoft, but management of content in Bioware is arguably its biggest problem. Yeah. They just do not manage their projects well. And Andromeda was, it's impressive for the time period it was made in, but it was not the game that we deserved or should have got. And that was made in about 18 months. No, yeah, so it's absolutely. insane. But once again, I feel like we're kind of edging into that territory where they've revised the game multiple times. And here we are again with yeah. Bioware likely going to have to make this in a short period of time. Right, right. At least the writing on the wall is there. Sorry, yeah. I know I talked for a while. No, 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 no. You're good. You're good because you're, you're helping me out. But um, yeah, it's very, <laughs> very concerning. It's very concerning with the development, especially when you have that shift where it goes from one complete concept to another complete concept. And, you know, I am concerned about the long-term devs, you know, development of the game. And then obviously we see Casey, the legend, the greatest mullet in the game, Casey. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like he now just ventured off, got his own studio. People are leaving. I've heard the dice thing. I've heard the unreal thing. I've heard the management thing with Anthem. Anthem was a thing that really disappointed me as a person who likes those type of games i was really yeah. pulling for it so to hear that and now with dragon's age it really you really put things in perspective for me maddie because it really made me see like yo this was a completely different game than how it started and it makes sense now six years we haven't seen anything and yeah I, i'm i'm concerned i'm concerned for them man i hope they can pull this thing out man i really i'm pulling for dragons i i liked inquisition a lot so yeah inquisition's good right like yeah. I, I i definitely dragged it more than i should have but Inquisition's good, but you can tell internally. I, I always wonder if there was a way for Bioware to to do what pretty much what Bungie did, mm -hmm. just go just off go independently. Off. Yeah, I would wish. love to see what happens there to because me, I know. Okay. I'm sorry. I was no. just gonna say I think EA gets scapegoated a lot with them. Yes, and EA does a lot of wrong, and they have interfered with Bioware in a number of ways, really towards Mass Effect Three and. Dragon Age 2, like that's where EA really kind of mucked up the waters and got their hands in there. But otherwise, I don't know what to say. EA's been patient and giving them the money and mm -hmm. letting them reboot the project and let them do what they had to do. Bro, that Anthem story showed me a lot. Mm -hmm. I used to scope scapegoat scope EA for a lot and how couldn't you yeah bro like when I read about the meetings and you know again I show a shout out to Jason Schreier we had him on and mm. you know and I learned a lot and I'm just like wow you know there was a lot I mean at one point I think flying wasn't in the game and that, <laughs> you mm -hmm. know what I'm saying like, like very close so it, it just goes to show you like you know everything is it's a combination of things it's a combination of things right and and, and, and to your point the people that you love that make these beloved franchises, right? Some of them have moved on. So the core Bioware is not, might not even be there. And then it's my last there. point is I always felt, I know I'm not a techie in the sense of tech engine, but to me, when I play Mass Effect Legendary, right? And I look at that, that Unreal Engine kind of still holds up, bro. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, you know, that's Unreal no, Engine 3, it does. No disrespect to Frostbite. It's just me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I feel that engine 
they should have never like if, if that was what they liked and what they were used to. Right. And now to your point, you're saying that Inquisition, they were not happy because they were fighting with the engine a lot and maybe something they were hoping that it kind of failed. You know, I, I think that may have a play into, into into a lot of the frustrations and stuff like that. If those core Bioware guys were still there and they still having those issues. But it, it's a it's a it's a very concerning situation. I, I'm, I'm not even going to lie. Yeah, it's. A perfectionist Bioware just doesn't work. I don't know what else to mm -hmm. say. Their games were great because they were highly replayable, but they, were, they weren't they were rough around the edges in the way that you describe maybe a Greedfall. No offense yeah. to that game. I love Greedfall, but yeah, it's, it's like you can feel the jank is the word that would be used for it. But with <laughs> Bioware... There's a level of uh, uh of you know you're like Commander Shepard's head twisting mid conversation and you're like well that's weird but beyond <laughs> that like there's so it almost adds to the game and when you start to make it in Frostbite it's this beautiful engine you know the, the environments look incredible it's making Bioware games what they're not yeah and yeah. it gets to the point where for those who haven't played Trespassers DLC. There will be like little floating glowing orbs or not even orbs like they're just these glowing lights that make no sense in the context of the universe or or anything that's occurring in this world. And you'll walk up to them and they'll say like listen to Sarah and you'll click X and your characters will start talking. And I'm like this engine is so busted for RPG development that they're putting floating glowing orbs to trigger conversations between your party members. Wow. And I'm like, that speaks to me volumes. It says so much about the difficulty of the engine that they're working on. Mm -hmm. uh, so if if Bioware comes out and I don't even think I don't even think it's possible, but if they came out and said we're making this on a real engine, I think 70% of my concern would go away. I'd be like, all right, they're good. They're mm -hmm. good. They'll get something done here. I'm with it. But yeah. Despite that, uh, let's talk about uh, the Old Republic expansion. So this is something that uh, I've played on and off for years. I like Old Republic a lot. Good storytelling, MMORPG. Of course, Old Republic's my favorite era of Star Wars. I gotta ask first and foremost, have you ever dipped your toes into this one, Cog? I have not, embarrassingly. Embarrassingly, embarrassingly you say? Really? Yeah, so many people tell me about it. And it's just like, oh. I, I've got weird gaps in my gaming history, and these are like one of those, and, and, and I, it, it kind of pains question. me that I haven't gotten back into these kind of things. But you got to educate me, man. Yeah, so I was uh, I was ignorant at first, right? I was one of the people who's like, you know, I'm a, a Knights of the Old Republic purist. Like, only play the Xbox games. Like, do Ooh, not Kotor. dare. Yeah, Ooh. do not dare go near the online component. And then I had a couple write-ins. Just... I, this is why I love the Bioware community because they're so understanding with me. <laughs> like I sit out there and I spew this bullshit, and they're like, oh, "Like I did it with." <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I, I did it with uh, Dragon Age Inquisition. I'm like, this game sucks. And then like I remember one of my buddies, Jackdaw, great YouTuber, does Dragon Age content, pulls me aside in the comments. He's like, "Matt, look, man, like I think you're harsh on Inquisition. I'm I'm pleading with you, give it another try." I'm like, "Okay, let's make some interesting content at least. You know, if all if all fails." Mm -hmm. I play it and I go, you know what? There's a lot here I like. Yeah. I don't like its bloat. I don't like its side content at all. But I was like, oh, there's a lot I like here. Mm -hmm. Same thing happened with the Old Republic. Like, Maddie, maybe online, but the stories here are good. Mm -hmm. And there's some cool endings, some dark stuff you can do if you do dark side route. And I think it's a worthwhile romp. Try it, Matt. Try it again. So I go back. You know what? I you know, I gotta I gotta drop the axe. Like this isn't that bad. Okay, okay. So the fact that they're still supporting this thing a decade later, 
Awesome to see. I just wanted to come to consoles. Yes, that needs to happen. Big it time. Is, it is. I mean, they clearly still have interest in it if they're doing an expansion, not just DLC. They've done updates, but an expansion. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. I hope they can find a way. This is one of those, I call them hot bar MMOs. And by yeah. that, I mean, like, you got a bar on the bottom, the right side of your screen, oh, left okay, side. Oh, okay, one of those, yeah, All yeah, yeah. those abilities, do you, man. Do you think it's a it's a conversion issue? Maybe because of because of that? It's, it's got to be, because I, f- I feel they would have done it right now, mm. or by now. Yeah, I just think that makes too much sense. But hopefully we see it. More hopefully we get more. it. Kong, you added a bonus topic here mm-hmm. before, we, uh, before we began. Yeah. And so let's read that one off. Video games analyst Zuge seems to allude to some major cool announcements from each of the big three this week. The first domino to fall was Nintendo with the OLED Switch version. The second was Sony announcing the state of play this week. Now we wait to see if slash what Xbox has in store as Zuge has now officially confirmed the first two parts of his trifecta. What do we think it could be? Let's check now to see if anything has transpired while recording. I'd be refreshing. I haven't seen anything yet. Nothing. Yesterday was the Xbox All Access theme song, but I don't think that's it. Yeah, I don't think so either, dude. We're being set up for failure again. We're gonna have it's gonna happen tomorrow at this point, right? We were thinking like it's gotta happen today. We were believing in that, but now it's like, oh, of course it's gonna happen on Thursday. Our show's Mm -hmm. gonna be done. We're gonna wait till next week to throw something in. Mm -hmm. So what do you think it could be? I, you know, of course we'll speculate a little bit. What do you think? I'm open studio announcement, you know, because that was the talk going into, um, you know, the Microsoft Bethesda conference. So I want to know that on maybe some type of games deal. You know, um, I remember like during the week. When, when, when did we get MLB the show? I felt like we got that during the week, just random. Yeah, that was a Monday. That was a Monday, I think. Okay. And it just, yeah, we woke up to that. Uh, yeah. No, that was in the afternoon. That was just out of nowhere. Yeah, like out of nowhere. So maybe some type of big game, maybe maybe a big Game Pass edition, third-party edition announcement kind of thing, like in Avena, an Outriders thing. I think there's a couple ways they could go. My, my pie in the sky is acquisition. My middle is probably Game Pass edition of a big title or I anticipated kind of, hey, welcome to the family Game Pass at the Game Pass uh, Twitter account, start tweeting something. And then, <laughs> I don't know. What you, what you got, man? What, what are you thinking it could be? Uh, yeah, of course I'm with you. Acquisition is sort of, sort of the, the pie in the sky. Like maybe, you know, like mm-hmm. just who cares? What's the timing of it all? Now's a good time to do it. Um, they got some indies coming out, but nothing on the level of like AAA. I don't know if it'll be big third-party Game Pass. Personally, the reason I say that is because I feel like that disrupts the marketing. Like They probably want to collect as many pre-orders as possible then maybe a month before then go like, yeah, it's coming to Game Pass day one. Mm-hmm. Where some people go, oh, I already put the money on it, so no, whatever. That's fair. That's fair. And so I just, my thought personally. No, I agree. What could happen is maybe Game Pass to another platform. Are you implying another platform such as uh, Nintendo Switch, Switch or yeah. what? Oh, you try, you try to break the internet now. No, now maybe. You, now you're trying to say something with that smooth little OLED that they just announced. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're like, like, hey, you can play these on the go now with Game Pass. Ooh, Stream it to yourself. OLED and chill? Ooh, I would, I would <laughs> OLED love that. Game Pass and chill. Let's go. I would love that, man. Yo. So, hey. Here's hoping. I think this would be interesting, though, for the audience to listen to, because watch, they're going to be like... Something completely different. We brought 10 games to the cloud. Yeah. <laughs> we'll be like, oh, fuck. We'll be like, ah. Oh. We were sitting here thinking we're going to add a new segment to our show over Facts, facts. I mean, we do, we do probably, if we're going to be, I'm going to be conservative, we're probably due for, like, some more FPS boost titles, maybe. Yeah. You yeah. know, something, something on a smaller scale where it's like, hey, we just added all these other games you asked about. Rise of the Road, Rise mm-hmm. of the Road, Rise mm-hmm. of the Road. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Dude. Yeah, I I um I I have this speculation that 
we know that Dead Space remake is likely going to be announced at EA Play. It seems all but confirmed officially. My theory was like maybe they'll do Dead Space FPS boost that oh, week. Oh, good. Do yeah, that. get the marketing role going yeah. out in, in prep. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. I can see that. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Maybe. We'll, we'll see, but... We'll have our answer, of course, after this show is over. So fret yes. not. Maybe if it's if it's like a studio announcement, we'll be back here in we'll this video. Like, Boom! Yeah. Ultimate two. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say. I'm going live. Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> but that's all we got for the news this week. So now we move on to Game Pass slash Back Compat Pick of the Week. This time I'm doing it. Uh, this fits into both categories as well. We've sort of been on a roll three weeks in a row where it's Back Compat, but it's also Game Pass. Uh, so I'm working on a project for this series. Uh, you'll see a video in the coming weeks on it. That's Dead Space. I'm doing a life or death, a life and death of Dead Space. And uh, for those who want an example of what that project's like, just go look at my life and death video of Sly Cooper. But anyway, uh, played through the whole Dead Space trilogy in the last week and a half, man. About mm. nine hour romp each time. Did Dead Space 3 and co-op. But wow. I want to call out the OG. Let's get it. Dead Space 1. Mm. I'm not going to send you right into Dead Space 2 mm. because while it's a phenomenal game and I think it is better than the first one, Dead Space 2 won't be as appreciated on a story level if you have not played the first one. Mm-hmm. But the so first I gotta, I gotta one, man, to the first. it's so pure, Cog. It's so pure. You know, it's just silent protagonist walking around this claustrophobic ship, the Ishimura. Mm-hmm. You have these necromorphs coming after you. It's the introduction of dismemberment, death by dismemberment. These tools that were used here on the ship are are or weapons of destruction now. Mm. The Ripper, you know, you shoot out this telekinetic saw blade designed for mining is now hacking your enemies apart. There's a phenomenal connection between gameplay, story, and universe there. If you have not played Dead Space, do not be one of those people who comes into my show (laughs) and says, I'm waiting for the EA Motive remake. As, as far as I'm concerned. I can't wait for the updates, though. Yeah, I, you can wait for the updates. We can wait and see if there's an update. I'll give everyone that. Right, but if there's no it. FPS boost, get the frick in there. The reason I say that is because EA Motive is unproven, in my opinion. Even if they we, they should, we, we see a gameplay, mm-hmm. and it's, oh, it looks pretty solid. Which, I knowing EA, I'll be shocked if they're like, first time you're seeing this, is going to have gameplay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'd be stunned. <laughs> I very much expect like a CGI or a vertical slice, level. baby. Yeah. That's a CGI. Skate, like, hey, we're doing it. Uh, that That's more so where my expectations are. But EA Motive did the Battlefront 2 campaign. Not crazy about that. They did the Star Wars Squadron campaign. Squadron's on a gameplay level. Awesome. Campaign. Very, very similar to Battlefront 2. And so yeah. with all due respect... Not crazy about that either. I feel you. I feel you. So for me, remake or not, they are not proven. And the original trilogy is intact and complete enough and good enough and playable enough. You can play this and enjoy it, please. Especially because looking at Dead Space 1, the tech there is impressive still. Mm -hmm. The lighting, the sound design, it's still top notch. Especially for its time, 2008. It is one of those rare games that you can play and it can pass as something much more modern. That's good. That's big. Yeah, it, it mm-hmm. really does feel. It really does feel like uh, a, a, not a recent release, but it does not feel so beyond dated that it's unplayable. I, a comparison I make it sounds off the wall, but I say it is because it came out in the same year as Lost Odyssey. Lost Odyssey I played okay. for the first time okay. late last year, mm-hmm. and when I did, it was uh, I found I thought this was like a 2012, 2013 game. It looked amazing. The combat's good. Story's f- f- fantastic and 
the flow of the game is 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 much more modernized. I'm thinking to myself like this this gotta be a late 360 game, and I find out it's 2008. Wow. Uh, and, and dude, if you sold that to me now, I would have believed you that like this was a 20. 2013 2014 game in a number of ways still holds up still really holds up same thing with dead space here you know only thing that feels a little old is every mission ends with you going back to the tram and then you load in the next level and you go to a new part of the ishimura so it makes sense on a universe level but it is the only part that feels old right i got you i got you i got you these i played it on series x so it runs on the uh xbox one x version Mm -hmm. of that so there's some upscale in there some auto hdr uh but not really any FPS changes it is in 30. Oh, wait, we had to see that's when you lost me. <laughs> I was I was there with the I just went to 60 Maddie. Let, let me know, see what motive do. Let me just see what motive do. I know, I know, right? It, it's a you game that me into the third. I mean that's the thing is I'm like immune to this stuff. I'm a big 60 really? FPS guy. Okay. But I played one and two in 30 on Series X. And then I went to PC to play with my buddy for co-op with three. Mm-hmm. That was fine. I was like, all right. I give you credit. Like, I just, I, I don't get the headaches that people get. I don't freak out over it. I don't, I see the things, but I don't react to them. Mm-hmm. So I'm, maybe I'm a little more understanding than your average gamer, but Dead Space is my Game Pass pick of the week. It's there. You can Woo. download it. PC, console, <clears throat> what get have that. you. Nothing on cloud. I tried to stream it. One of the sad moments, though, I'll throw this out there. I think this, good, this is what all 360 games. Mm-hmm. So I had this moment of like, you know, Dead Space in bed sounds great, Cog. Mm-hmm. How can I get this working? So I set up the remote play. I start messing with the app. I get it all okay. rocking and rolling. I Let's click go. on the app, and they're like, you can't stream your 360 game to this. And I'm like, damn. So Xbox One and Series X and X games, fine. But 360 games, you cannot stream to your to your iPad via remote. So play. 360 back hat, back hat, you can't do it. I didn't no. realize that. Wow. Hey, if that's if that's the news that that Zuge was talking about, <laughs> that's, yeah. that's the that's the yeah. third yeah, shooter. Yeah, that's, that's the third piece of the trifecta. Woo! 360 remote play streaming. I'm there it is. It. Let's hook Maddie up, man. He needs <laughs> this. He needs this. I do. I need my horror games in bed. Everything in bed you, is better. <laughs> Facts. Yeah, I could be, yeah, I'd be taking a number of ways, but I, it was more. He ain't lying. He ain't lying. <laughs> All right, Cog, we got five final questions to wrap up the show. Let's get mm-hmm. it started with Philip Boyle. How are you, lads? Greetings from Ireland. It's been pretty slow on the uptake with the whole cloud, or I'm sorry, not it's. I've been pretty slow on the uptake with the whole cloud gaming thing. I wasn't sure if it truly was the future or not. However, I picked up a controller, the Razer Kishi, for my phone on Prime Day sales recently and have been slowly adopting cloud gaming as part of my gaming habits, mostly at night while the TV is being used or while in bed. See, there we go. We got another gamer in bed. Another gamer in bed. I see see the vision. There we go. I've played through Gears Tactics. Fire. Love this guy. Salute Philip Boyle. There we go. Donut County and have been recently achievement hunting in Peggle 2. Peggle, that's a good game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's fun. I had a moment this week where I decided to continue playing Peggle 2 on my Series X after playing through the cloud and realized that I didn't have it installed. I honestly forgot for a moment about having it to install games and the inconvenience of waiting for the game download made me grimace, he says. (laughs) Well, the the life of the privileged streamer here. I know. This was the moment I said to myself, yep, cloud is the future, and picked up my phone to continue playing there instead. My wow. question is, do you lads agree cloud is the future or at least part of it? And if so, have you any of your own epiphany moments like I had had? That's a good one. It's a good one. I think, um, you know, it is the future. I, I think it's the future. It's the 
optional futures. People got to stop scaring themselves away from cloud. They're just like, everything's going to be and it's not going to play physical and I can't. And I get it. I get it. But at the end of the day, you know, it's a, it's a situation where this is going to be a good option for certain people. And as the technology continues to improve and gets better, you know, you're going to see more situations like fill up where people are like, yo, this is actually not that bad. You know what I'm saying? This is actually viable. And I think what it is, is the past has been such a negative st stigma towards streaming that people just can't get their head around it and, you know, just like automatically, you know, eliminate it from the conversation. But until right. you try it, and like you said, Matt, you've been doing, like I said, you've been doing it, you got that going on in bed. You know, I've been trying it. You know, I've got the key sheet that Philip has. I love it. It literally transforms my phone into a switch. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And again, that's one option. I know you are a person that you like your phone, not at, you want this, your communication device, so the phone yeah. thing ain't for you. But let's just say, you know, you're somewhere, you don't have your, your console with you. You're just on a browser. You're like, hey, let me log in. Boom, I can, I can rock mm -hmm. out. So, I think it is the future. I think it is something that is going to continue to improve, especially with network infrastructure, especially with 5G. And it's up to Microsoft. I'm going to be on Microsoft for this. It's up to them to market, to let people know it's available. To, to yeah. I want to see logos plastered. With, you know, when you get your smart TV, that they better pay for the marketing space. The Xbox, the Game Pass app better be there. The streaming app. Like, they've got to tell people. So many people don't know. When I go into a doctor's appointment, right, or the barbershop, which I was at, mm -hmm. you know, I'm waiting. Your boy had the key out. They oh, you were over. playing at the barber today? Oh, yeah. I was at oh. the barber. I'm chilling. Chilling. Oh. He had like one. I was like, yeah, get away. I got my mask on. I'm chilling. I got my, my kishi. I'm lit. So people <laughs> looking at <laughs> people looking at me, they like, yo, that's Xbox? And I'm like, they think it, you know, what am I doing? They think it's like a mobile game. I'm like, mm. nah. They was like, yo, that's crazy. You play Yakuza like a... There you I go. love that, man. Bro, I do it all the time at the dealership. I'm like, yo, oh, where, how many hours for my car needs to repair? It's two, oh, no problem. Yeah, no, yeah. I'm that guy. Please, like, please. No yeah. problem. Plus, I have to keep, I'm chilling. I'm, <laughs> I am the poster child for this joint. Like, people are amazed <laughs> when they see it. And you know what it is? They're amazed at the fidelity. It's no disrespect to Switch. You know, Switch is what Switch is. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But when you see... You can't put that Switch in your pocket, man. Exactly. When you see, like, a, a Halo and these big graphical fidelity games and they like yo and then the, the beauty of it like like philip said you log in it takes a second syncing your, your information to the cloud right mm -hmm. and then uh, as far as um when you launch the actual game to get your save data to take place right where you left off i literally when i went on my trip to washington i beat peril or the gorgon dlc on my Kishi. I played out of worlds on my Kishi because I didn't have my console with me. And I loved it, bro. I like it's that. really, it's really cool. Again, it's not gonna be for everyone. Mm -hmm. Everyone's situation is different. Everybody's networking bandwidths. I get it. But for a lot of people, when they try it, they're gonna enjoy it. Yeah, it's just that ease of access. And because it's not a long startup time, you can you can post up in the bar barbershop like you did and you can fire up a game, man, and kill mm -hmm. some time. I'm one of those people who like I'm I'm I embrace the game download because I go and do something else, right? So you could, if your internet can hold up, you could start the download on your console and and then begin your playthrough by streaming it on your phone <laughs> or your tablet, and just and just and just rocking over there. And it's like, oh, download's done. Then just boom, moving mm -hmm. right over to the uh, to the console. But beyond that, man, yeah, I think cloud is the future. I think Microsoft makes cloud exciting. Where if you were like, I'm a game collector, right? Like I love my retro games. 
I love my physical copies. Like I just got a copy of Judgment for PS5. Like I'm still getting these modern games physically. I don't think that's going to go away, but Xbox makes it exciting where you can, like as long as they keep that around, right? Like you, you got people like me, traditionalists who want to go out, get the game. Like to me, there's yeah. an event with that. Like, oh yeah, absolutely. It, it, there's a moment there. Like I've got the thing. Like I don't like everything being digitized because mm-hmm. it sounds weird, but like I want to be able to reach out and like grab it and just be like, I have the game. It's mine. It's mine. And, and you know, I know certain games can't, do that but that's why like i'm a big supporter of limited run games like i i love oh, me, love what they do oh, okay. love what they do yeah i love and, limited and, run and they I take these indie games like mm-hmm. they take aspire who does ports and they're like let's give these people physical games uh or releases of these games that aren't uh aren't able to have the financial ability to to produce cases and and manuals and we're gonna give them little collectibles we're gonna mm-hmm. do collector's editions so as long as that type of stuff can hang around to me, Xbox makes cloud exciting because it is that like ever I said all the time. This 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 thing right here, this iPad, mm-hmm. this is my baby, man. This That's is my baby. this is my mm-hmm. this is the money maker. It's for my Woo. podcast, my work, everything, man. Mm. And if I can just grab this thing and have a controller and fire up a game when I want here at the studio, or if I can have the Razor Kishi and go out and get a haircut. Mm-hmm. Have that ready to fire up, man. That's gonna be the that's it. That's the moment, right? Like there you go. You know, just being able to continue your save and and not having game gaming being obstructed. I think it's gonna bring people to games in a way that we're not considering, which is for a lot of people, it's time. Yes, it's time. It's like I'm not gonna buy this twenty hour game even because I got this work trip in a week. But what yes. if you could? What if you could buy the game and start it on your work trip in that downtime in the hotel? Suddenly, you just put four hours into it. Bro. And you go home another four hours. Now you're like almost halfway through. Mm-hmm. And that's it, man. It's that easy. So that's the difference maker, right? That's I the difference agree. maker is ease of access and time being respected. Something Respect. that not enough companies uh, value. Yeah, I agree. So well said, Cog. You, you really set us up well. Leo's our next write-in. Hello, Maddie and Cog. Loving the show. Couldn't get a PS5, but got a Series S and I've been loving every second of it. Here's my question. What's your opinion on Morrowind, Oblivion, Mm. and Skyrim? Could we possibly get a ranking? I know Maddie is a huge Bethesda fan and loves their RPGs. But what about Cog? Looking forward to hearing your thoughts. Cog, I need to know your your, your stance on Bethesda Game Studios. This is good. This is good. This is good. This is good. All right. So, disclaimer. I'm a Morrowind fraud because I had the OG Xbox. I saw the game. A friend of mine was really into it. I didn't know what it was about. I went to his crib to check it out, and I was just, I was intimidated. I was like, there's so much going on. He was like, bro, you could do this, you could do that. Like, he was explaining, he was having so much, it just seemed so deep and overly complex that I was a little, little intimidated. So your boy pulled back. I didn't do more on him. So I can't really comment on more, but Oblivion was my first. And I fell in love, bro. The Oblivion Gates. What is it? Molag Ball and the thing. You know what I'm saying? Like the Daedric stuff. And I was like, yo, this game. And then I was just amazed by the systems. Like you steal and the the, the cops run up on you. I'm like, bro, like what's up? Like he knew I had the hot goods. I'm like, damn, how'd you know? (laughs) Paid his fee. I'm like, all right. So it was just, I thought I was just amazed by that. I thought it was like the the police and the justice system, you know, and just, you know, just all these things you could do in this world. Oblivion was my entry and I love it. But I have to admit, when you heard that, 
<laughs> Bro, when you heard that joint, I was like, what's happening? This is this is amazing and dragons Skyrim is the goat. Like, mm. it's not even close. Like, yeah, bro, like I could literally sit in this the title screen and just smile. Like it, it's yeah. that impactful. I had classic moments. I forgot the name of the character. There was one character, there was a chick that I I guess I was in an area I shouldn't have been and I was way too underleveled. And she kept handling me. I, you probably know this character. I wish I know the names, but it, it's a part earlier in the game, and I was in a, pl- a place in the map I'm not supposed to be. And this, mm. this, she was levels above. I remember when I finally killed. Her, I was, <laughs> I was like, all the pain you put me through. You know what I'm saying? It was a very powerful character early. In the game. I just can't remember it off the top, but just the spells and the and the, man, it was. Damn, that was such a beautiful game. The locales, the vistas, traveling anywhere, scaling mountains and and you know the the, the dwarves and the Delmer and all, all that stuff, man. Just yep. Skyrim is the goat. And yeah, no disrespect because Oblivion's great. But yeah, that that that's my three. I, I wish I could say more about Morrowind. I just didn't play it, and I didn't. Right. I would love for them to do kind of like a. A remaster that that would that would kind of be cool for me from to kind of give it a, a chance. But where are you at, man? You you are the goat of Bethesda. You are Lord <laughs> Bethesda, Duke of Bethesda. Yeah. Where are you at? Yeah. For for Morrowind remaster, it's funny because they talk about it all the time, and they always say like, "Oh, we don't want to tamper with the original product." But I just say all the time that the only thing they really need to change with Morrowind that need that would be more user friendly is, and these would require more significant work but it's not mm-hmm. as heavy duty as i think people would imagine mm-hmm. is one skill checking for every attack so let's yeah. say your one hand is like 20 mm-hmm. and this guy's right here in front of you and you're like uh, yeah. and you're and but you're whiffing even <laughs> though you're like right there and your sword's going through him and i remember mm-hmm. as a kid my brain never connected with that mm-hmm. so them adjusting that to something like skyrim or oblivion or swing yes. connect and skill check elsewhere mm-hmm. that's fine but between that and just adding like a map so that you don't have to like check your journal every five seconds and go yeah. make a left on Grove Street and then go straight to to Duke Avenue. And it's like, uh-huh. OK, yeah, you know, like it just it, it, it can really drag you around and, and you can get lost. Mm-hmm. So they've always talked about that, but they don't want to tamper the original experience. But I say mm-hmm. go for it. No doubt. The rankings for me, Oblivion or, or I'm sorry, Morrowind. It's interesting because I respect the hell out of a Morrowind just because of the story where mm-hmm. Bethesda Game Studios was going to close down if this game wasn't oh, a success. Wow, I didn't know that. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Their back was against the wall and they were like, mm. they said, so they decided, let's go all in. Let's make this game and make wow. it as incredible as it is. And it saved the company. So there's something special about Morrowind, of course. Mm-hmm. And going in there and you look at Fallout 4 and then you, you play Morrowind and you're like, God damn, things are mm. different now. Things are different. Uh, the, the voice protagonist, the, there's not as much choice and consequence. Mm-hmm. But Morrowind was so technically impressive for its time. It, mm-hmm. I mean, it's huge open world. Uh, we had a question somewhere about, about uh, Morrowind and if it's playable now on the Xbox. Right. And I just wanted to answer that in stride before I start ranking things. Sure, is sure. It's best on PC with mods, but you can get away playing the original stuff. You're just going to have to accept the age of it. Gotcha. Much like COG, though. My first was technically Oblivion. I played Morrowind as a kid, but I also cowered away in fear. I was like, nope, nope. I'm out of here. I'm out of here. I don't know what's going on. So I get my 360. I got my 360 two years late, and one of the first games I got for it was Oblivion. And I was hooked, mind blown, playing all the faction stories, Mages, Guild Thieves, Guild Dark Brotherhood. Main story. Just so much there. You finish it all. You look at your map. You see 
just how much more you have yet to explore. You're going through the Iliad ruins and, and and the caves that are there, and 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 then you find out years later. For me, as I got more invested in gaming, that one person built all the dungeons in Oblivion, Ooh. and that is insane, man. There are so many, and of course, they're all reusing the same assets, but there's different stories in there. Oblivion soundtrack is so hard to match for me. I mean, all of these games have phenomenal mm-hmm. soundtracks. I'm one of those people though, like, you know, one week you'll ask me, I'll say, yeah, it's Oblivion. Another week I'll be like, yeah, it's Skyrim. I think genuinely, consistently, I'm probably, I'm probably Skyrim as my Woo. favorite. Okay. Talk to him. Talk to him. Tell him why. On a personal level, I failed a class for this game. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. So, That's when you know it's real. You're supposed yeah. to go to school and you yeah. still play. <laughs> I, I, uh, I, I don't say it with pride, but I... <laughs> I was so excited for this game. I mean, it was really the launch pad for my channel. I mean, if you go look, the first videos that boomed for my channel, all Skyrim. Because I was doing rare weapon and armor guides. I was doing walkthroughs. I was I was knee deep up to my ears at some points in mm. Skyrim. I remember the reason I failed this class is because I was sitting there. And while the, we, we were obviously in a computer room. Yeah, we were supposed to be doing graphic design, and I would just mm-hmm. pop up the browser and read Skyrim previews again and again. I was just, I was like, dude, I was a, I was a menace, man. That was not right of me. But I was really excited for this game, and it was everything I hoped it could be. And I'll always remember that moment. I'll always remember like thinking, oh my god, this is actually as great as I want it to be. Fire. And that endless feeling, not in a bad way, mm-hmm. but that endless feeling. Uh, and then that pedigree is solidified with every time you go back into Skyrim. There's an energy. There's a feeling. It's not yes. even nostalgia. There's an energy of just that truly go where you want. Yes. I think Bethesda realized that vision there. Like I feel like I can go anywhere. You know, you just you exit the tutorial area mm-hmm. and then you walk out of that cave and you're like, I can go anywhere and do anything. Bro. That is fucking awesome. It's great. It's a great so, feeling of exploration, yeah. Good yeah, time. Skyrim for me just takes the top. It's not the best role-playing game from Bethesda. Mm-hmm. I think Oblivion's that perfect hybrid. You know, you use skills, you get perks for them. Like, if you yes. jump around and run around a lot, your athleticism goes up. Yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah I did like that. Perks for that. Mm-hmm. I love that. If Skyrim had that, mods mm-hmm. aside, I would be, oh my God, it'd be untouchable. But that's where Oblivion takes number two and then three Morrowind. It just, no doubt. Not, no that, doubt. not that Morrowind's bad. Morrowind's excellent. Yeah. Just Morrowind... I click with the least. There's a, there's a, it feels too old. Uh, yeah. I don't mind games built in a old school manner. Like I think of divinity original sin two is like a, a, a great RPG built in old school manner, <laughs> but like more ones you, you'll, you'll click on a dialogue option. And there'll be a wall of text. Like there's just yeah. stuff that demands really a quality of life enhancement for ease of, of play that yes. uh, even someone as me, a Bethesda geek love elder scrolls. I, I know the Lord to some extent, like I'm invested. <laughs> even I have some t- at times, trouble with Morrowind on a level of spending hours and I've never really completed it when I think about it I've gone in there time and time out spent dozens and dozens of hours just exploring its world doing quests Mm -hmm. but it's not really all Elder Scrolls games really aren't about beating them right it's really just about the adventure in my opinion no doubt no doubt and Lin's 27 is our next write in hey Duke boys hope all is well Xbox has had somewhat undeserved reputation of shuttering studios and being place being a place where studios go to die but do they now deserve credit for saving studios? So this was in reference to, I believe, like Platinum with, mm-hmm. with Scalebound and all that stuff. Yes, yes, yes. Studio auditions such as, uh, or studio editions, sorry, this seems to be an autocorrect, such as Obsidian, Ninja Theory, Double Fine, and Compulsion have seemingly helped studios that have previously had financial issues and now allow them 
full creative visions with financial safety. Does Xbox deserve more credit for this? Yes, yes, and yes. That has been my theme. Um, I love, like I said, I've had the chance to interview a lot of these studios in person. And that's one of the things, you know, because the fear always was, oh, you know, if Microsoft acquired quiet you, you know, you know, they're going to have the, they're going to be in the boardroom. They're going to be telling you how to make the game. And, you know, the studio quality is going to die. You, you hear all that stuff. And I ain't going to lie. There was part of me that kind of felt victim, you know, nervousness when you hear about all the acquisitions. And I remember, you know, speaking to Ninja Theory, speaking to all, all these studios just in person. Once the, the I believe it was the E3 2018. It's one of my favorite E3s. And, you know, the reason being because it showed hope for the future, you know, yeah. and a lot of these studios were, look, on the cusp, you know, and I spoke to Compulsion, they they have one of the most unique stories. They were almost out of business like two separate times, like really, like, I didn't like know that. really dire situations, and they were given second leases on life, which is unheard of, right? Saying you know Ninja Theory, you hear about you know the numbers uh-huh. are smaller, punching above their weight. You know Obsidian, we've had on, and they talking about look without this type of funding, we wouldn't be able to produce this kind of stuff. You hear about NXI with Wasteland and, you know, them getting the funding for The Voice and to put that kind of stuff in. So I agree, you know, and we saw, we spoke earlier about Phil's comments about the risk proposition of making a studio in this day and age. It's a huge risk proposition. So I think they need to get more credit. I I think that, like, I'm going to always champion this. Like, you know, provide it, like they keep doing what they do, which is allow... The greatest analogy I got was from Ninja Theory. I forgot her name. Awesome woman. Head of, it's like a two-part head. So it's T, the guy with a T, the guy, I think her name is Linda. I wouldn't know, personally. Yes, but whatever. The female lead, it's two of them. I spoke to her and I was, I asked, I said, what's it like? This is like, this was the acquisition. Like it just got announced. Ninja Mm. Theory. I'm like, oh, this is crazy. So I'm like, what's it like? And she's like, the picture being like a, a beer distillery or something like that, right? And you can only produce a certain amount, right? And then now someone comes, like Budweiser comes, and said, now you can create as much as you want with as many resources you want, and we're not going to get into the individual way, the way you craft your beer. I was just like... So I was like, they really hands off. They letting you be creative. And it was, they was, it was like, yeah, they, they was like, we had to do the deal. And you hear the stories over and over again, compulsion, engineering, the list goes on. So, you know, double fine, you know, we heard that kind of thing. So I love it, man. I, I love these great studios, you know, being a chance to develop. And in your case with Bethesda, you know, I really like it because, you know, I look at a situation like Fallout 76, and I'm not saying it's the worst game or anything like that, but we could be kind of honest and, and imply that that's kind of not their history to do live service, right? Not at all. So, yeah. right. So, to me, I look at that as prior to the acquisition, them trying to do different things to survive to a market that may have passed them Absolutely. by. You know what Absolutely. I'm saying? Or single yep. player. So, my thing is, how can you not be happy for them? Like your studio, your devs that you love are making the games and being able to do it without yeah. having to worry. Like, how is anybody bad at that? And I just get, I get so frustrated. I shouldn't get caught up with a Twitter space. Sorry about this rant. <laughs> but it's it. just, I get frustrated. We nurture, you know, you got to nurture the studio. That's not how real life works. That a lot of studios, sometimes they get acquired. That, that's just how it is. It's very rare. You know what I'm saying? That these big three will develop. So rant almost over. I love it. It's great. I think it's great for the industry. Provided 
the, 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 the publisher, the, the acquirer allows the creative control. And it seems in Xbox case, from every account, every student, and I've been researching, brother. Right, <laughs> I've been, no, you and, do the interviews, man. This bro, is all you. Undead Labs, every single one, they all tell me the same thing. And a lot of, I have relationships with these people offline. And it's the same thing. There's no, oh, by the way, they told me I got to put it. Nah, none of that. No, no shenanigans. So ran over. I think it's great. Continue. No, excellent to hear. And I, I think just by watching the dominoes fall alone that you can't help but assume safely that would be the case. You know, would all these companies leap into the arms of Microsoft in, in a plenty, uh, whether it be console exclusive indie deals or, of course, studio acquisitions is what we're focusing on if they were not providing something that these creatives want. And Colin, we just talked to him and he literally said, we're making games mostly for Xbox now. Like we're going to still do PlayStation switch, all that stuff. But Colin even said as a guy who's making his own games that, yeah, he's doing, he's, he's absolutely looking at Xbox now. Cause it's much easier to do it for. I can say as someone who's working on their own, that's where I'm looking, man. Cause like their system is just way more appealing to make stuff for. And maybe one day that pendulum swings the other way, or I hope it just stands in the middle and both are great to make stuff for. But yeah, man, that's just incredibly well said that that information, wisdom and knowledge is, is, you know, just exactly why we have you here, man. So thank you for all of that. That was great. And um, I agree. They, they deserve more credit than they get. Absolutely. Cody Richter up next. Hey, Cog and Maddie, I wanted to give a prior discussion, a different perspective. <laughs> Why did I put this in? <laughs> I'm, just playing. I'm just playing, Cody. You guys expressed your lack of excitement that Bloober Team is working on a new Silent Hill project. I agree completely with your feelings. But what if working on an established IP gives this team the push they need to jump to the next level? We've seen studios in the past make this jump after working on a big name project. Maybe Bloober is in that position now. What do you guys think? Will Silent Hill be the boost they need, or are they doomed to remain as a mediocre horror studio? Love the addition of Cog and the Duke and the energy he brings to the show. I do too, Cody. All right. I'm going to let you grab it because uh, oh. I, I heard you <laughs> talking on other podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Miles. Uh, great show. And uh, yeah. you, you killed it, brother. You killed it. And this you. subject came up and you gave me the best laugh ever like <laughs> i was rolling like he, he was like wait i gotta quote him he said the medium was aggressively mediocre <laughs> you almost passed out <laughs> I was like, i'm using it so I, I hit you up i hit you up but um i'm gonna give it to you man i know how strongly you feel yeah. this is this is your people <laughs> i thought so that no one from blooper listens to our show shout, really... shout out to blue shout out to blue but uh maddie feels very strong so i'm gonna let you have this sir yeah and then i'll jump in after I hope people understand if Silver Blooper does end up listening to our show, I rib you as a joke, but I also just genuinely did not enjoy your game. So just, you know, just to keep it transparent, but also no, I do give you guys a little extra shit as a joke. All right. So like you mentioned, I was on Xbox chatter days. We had a conversation with miles of windows central gaming. Great show. Great time. Thank you miles for having me on. Mm -hmm. And we talked about this subject and miles is a pretty big advocate of Bloober team. So I was hit from was a, from a, a left yeah. hook from a new dimension, man. I heard yeah. someone defending Miles Blubertake. for it, boy. And, and, and he made some great points. He talked mm-hmm. about, you know, stuff like uh, them them teaming up with, uh, I believe the name is Akira Tamaoka, who is the composer for Silent Hill. Um, mm-hmm. He's doing all their games now and into the future. The medium was clearly inspired to some extent 
by Silent Hill. You can tell the team loves that series. So by default, when they are handed the the keys to the castle here, I think just all of us can relate on some level that if you love something, you're I don't want to say they didn't try with the medium because they did try. Mm-hmm. Even if I don't like it, they they mm-hmm. did try. Mm-hmm. But they're gonna try harder. And yeah. they're gonna go that extra length and they're gonna think on a different level because there's something established there. There is something to look at that Cody mentioned, which is the building something up your whole universe inside and out versus being handed an IP already established with its own catalog and expectations and what's within a, a Silent Hill game. You don't have to make that and define that. It's already been defined and you can put your own spice on it. So there is something there where I feel like Bloober is in an exciting position and in one where they are a little more they don't have to do some of the deep thinking that's required of building your own universe. I encourage those out there, a good writing exercise, build a universe from top to bottom. What food mm. is, how does food distributed? Uh, mm. uh, how is, how is power distributed? Uh, what's the government look like? Go top to bottom and build this whole universe. The year it's set in how they got there, everything. It's a lot. It sounds easy, but it's a lot. Oh, uh, yeah. So yeah, man, if you're, if you're not doing that and you're instead saying, well, we know what Silent Hill is. Yeah, there is something there that I think that an established IP can give them not the push they need, but the, almost the ability to focus elsewhere where their mm-hmm. writing is writing within Silent Hill, not making what does the medium have to be to sort of be its own thing, but also Silent Hill. So, yeah, man, I uh, I, I agree that there is potential here for sure. And and shout out to Miles again for, you know, let me hear that. I still don't really I'm not excited for it. Yeah, that's real. I, you, you gotta know, be honest. You're being you know, honest. I'm damaged goods from uh from 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 the medium. <laughs> this boy is gone. But but you know, I just uh, I I'll I'll, I'll slowly ease back into this relationship and see if anything happens. Uh, if I'm safe. But if not, then uh, out I go again. We'll see though. But I'll, I'll still play it. Cog, do you have any any thoughts yeah. on this? Um, and uh, look, Blooper team you know, up with this IP. I'm with you in the sense of I wasn't wowed by it. You know what I'm saying? I wasn't, you know, I, I felt that the dual reality, I was a little disappointed with the dual reality thing. I, I thought that was going to be way more intricate than it intended to be. And it was, you know, it was a lot of, you know, you know, I hate the term, but walking simulator-ish stuff in it outside of a key moment. I thought you described it very well in your description. I actually agree with you on a lot of your points of why you were frustrated with it. You know, if it had more of those moments, and I'm not going to spoil it if anyone played it, you know, there's some hiding, um, tense moments and stuff like that that I thought would have really done well. But, I, st- you know, I- I'm with you. I think the-, the-, the hope that I have is that they're building right They're they're building towards something they had a project they had another project that you know what i'm saying and one has to, i will say this it's it is a thing for an established franchise to trust you with something mm-hmm. I, I do feel that that is the case i mean i'm not saying it specifically in this case but i do feel there's some weight to that right like i look at um i'm a big obviously i'm saying a kid from, from back in the day, right? right? And I look at something like Streets of Rage 4, and you got Dutemo and all those guys that were like passionate. When you interview, they were passionate Streets of Rage guys. And I'm interviewing them, I'm like, look, yo, th- this is a franchise. Like, you got to do it right. Like, you know what I'm saying? He's like, no. Way. And then to see that vision come to life and be as great as it was, yeah, and it was they, there were steps prior to them getting there. So the hope is because they love Silent Hill so much. Right. And because, you know, the teams who make it are entrusting them with the franchise. And like you said, you make a great point. 
They don't got to create a whole new world. They, they're, they're almost fanboys of the franchise that have the source material all in front of them. And now it's just like, okay, don't mess it up. Make something great. And my only, oh, my only issue, honestly, with the game is I just want it technically to look good. I want it graphically to look good. Right, that was right. another issue I had with the medium. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't feel for for as next gen only as it was. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I didn't. I wasn't wowed. I was. I, I want to see some graphical fidelity, and I, right. I'm I'm pulling for them. I'm hoping they can pull it off. But to Maddie's point, yes, they they have a lot to prove. The medium was not. You know, it was people weren't shouting from the rooftops for it. It was it was okay. Yeah. That kind of a deal. So that's where I'm at. You're so kind, Cog. <laughs> I know I'm nice. <laughs> <laughs> Last question of the show goes to Nandin Patil. Hey, X-Boys, even though I don't own an Xbox console or a PC PS4 guy here, I found myself listening to the podcast because of Maddie and Carrick. When Carrick was announced that he was leaving, I thought it would reduce my interest in the show. But it turns out Cog is an excellent co-host with his pleasing and calming voice, not to mention his chemistry with Maddie. Excited to see how the show evolves under this new pairing. I have something I want to add to that after I'm done reading the question. My question is... What one PlayStation first-party studio would you want in the Xbox first-party team and vice versa? I think Naughty Dog will be great for the Xbox team as they can make those big third-person action-adventure games with deep and meaningful narratives. On the other side of the spectrum, I think Machine Games, id Software would be a good fit for PlayStation since their first-party is lacking in FPS games. Love, Nandan. I just want to say one thing is when we were on the search after Carrick announced he was leaving, you know, it was it was tough on one end because... Carrick does something very specifically that is tough to address. But my mindset is Cog does something that no one else does as well. So I hope that those out there, and I know, shouldn't even say I hope, I can tell now by the feedback, I know those out there who listen understand that. But that was my mindset, is not to replace Carrick. Carrick does something specific. It's why we had him on the show. Yeah, love Carrick, right? And Mm -hmm. so when we had to seek out that replacement, it was like, who's not just going to try to emulate Carrick? Who's like their own person who has their own thoughts and does their own thing expertly. And that's what Cog was. So I just wanted to put that out there as a Thank you, you know, voice of M- support. Much appreciated. It's all love with the Dukes. You already know. My guy. Salute. So Cog, you got the option of one first party studio from PlayStation. You're going to just pluck them out and say like, this is mm. ours now. It's a fan- fantasy sports moment here, right? Like you're yeah, making this- the impossible trade. <laughs> yeah, gonna ch- Listen, I mean, Nandan kind of stole my record. I was like, Naughty Dog was, I, I got history with Naughty Dog. I, I love him. You know what I mean? So, you know, and y'all know, hashtag just one. I'm going to die on the Xbox first party sword until I get it, right? Naughty Dog would be the perfect for that. You know what I'm saying? You get saying? exactly what you want. That's what I get. Like, what? Like, yep. so yeah, it's it's that, you know. um, you know, if I'm a cheat a little only because I love Ninja Games so much, you know, look, Sucker Punch, man, mm-hmm. I was I was impressed. You know what I'm saying? I was very impressed with that with that entry. And I'm very finicky with my Ninja Games. And let's just say they got me excited because they brought Tenchu like stealth. And then I love, they really de- dove in. They did the historical background. And mm-hmm. Ghost of Shiba is just, I oh mean, I love that game, man. So, so good, yeah. yeah, you know what I mean? So it's just, and you find the next expansion next month? Oh, you know it. I'm oh, on Iki Island, baby. I'm, yeah, on Iki, I'm going, I'm going. You know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> so, yeah, like, it, it, for me, you know, as a person who struggles with open world games as I'm older, because I get intimidated so much to do, the mm. thing that they did well that re- I, I don't feel a lot of games do is that they like they had that thing with the wind mechanic right 
Mm. So it's leading me to go to where, and then as you go, it's like, oh, there's a fire. I call it like natural exploration as opposed to icon overload on the map, right? Mm -hmm. And and I, I love that about them. So my three would either be that, I'll, I'll cheat, I'll give a third one. I mean, Insomniac kind of got away, you know, and Insomniac was, man, they, they, they're pretty talented. They're yeah. pretty, they're pretty talented. So that's what I got on the Sony side, you know, that Microsoft, for Sony, I mean, for Sony to get something from Microsoft, man, I mean, I don't think the Coalition gets enough credit, man. Coalition, they're beasts at what they do. Yeah. And I'm team co-op. I'm team co-op. I'm a co-op guy. I, I love... Okay, so I didn't know, like, yeah. I'm with you. Like, I'm, I'm, I love... It's something to be said. You play with your buddy. And all of Gears games have kind of been built on that foundation mm. of... You know, let's get it going. Let's, you know, us, us two and, and a fully fleshed narrative. That's another thing. Most co-op games sometimes don't have a good narrative to kind of mix to have two players and stuff like that. So I would probably probably go there, you know. But, but what about you? What, what's your choices for each side? Uh, if Xbox could, could pluck one studio from PlayStation, I'm probably... You see, Insomniac is my favorite for them for obvious yeah. reasons. I love Ratchet. I love Spider-Man. Oh, Spider-Man's so my favorite talented. comic book hero. So, like, yeah. Ooh, if they oh, could, this fighting guy. Absolutely. Oh, nice. So if they, could, if they could get that, oh, of course. But my pick, I'm going to have to lean into you a little bit here, is uh, it's got to be Sucker Punch. I just think Ooh. Ghost of Tsushima... Yeah, it's funny because I'm not a big fan of Infamous Second Son, but <laughs> but Ghost of Tsushima flipped the script for me so much for them, in my opinion of them, because they made Sly Cooper one of my favorite franchises as a child. Yes. I replayed that for a video in the last mm -hmm. couple months. Still incredible. Still Dang. an all-timer for me. Mm. And then you go into Infamous, and Infamous 1 and 2 are fantastic. And then Infamous Second Son rolls around for me. Mm. something was just missed. I still, honestly, to this day, can't really put my finger on it. It's not a bad game. It's got all the elements. Mm -hmm. but I think it might be the characters. Just something, yeah. there wasn't that heart there for me. Mm -hmm. But then Ghost of Tsushima rolls around. I'm like, man, they still got it. This mm -hmm. game is excellent on musical level, especially. I got to shout that out. But the world, the exploration, they rethought a lot of things while taking familiar formulas like we've seen in maybe a Ubisoft game, but mm -hmm. making them single player friendly and not overwhelming uh, respects yes. your time good yes. side stories i mean the legend see, quest bro yes i know right just the the, the multiplayer component just doing a leagues and above and beyond legends. what it's gotta be bro. so i look at sucker punch i'm like god damn mm, and, they love and, and if, if if xbox could just pull them over and be like let's let's take sly cooper out of the grave while we're at it right and just let's, let's pull that over and just, that's something that would if there's something that would make me scream into my microphone <laughs> as loud as Night Seal Republic coming one. back, Woo! it would be like that Sly Cooper's back. Let's uh, go. In any way, shape, and form. Let's go. Beyond like a mobile game. But, of course, but yes, yes, yes. No split cell treatment. Yeah, yeah, please. Yes. That'd be my pick. No, no. On the other side of the spectrum, PlayStation taking an Xbox studio. Yeah, what you got? What you got? I'm thinking PlayStation wants to take uh, in software. I'm thinking, you know, I, I don't think machine games because we're seeing them leaning Indiana Jones, which I am guessing we don't know, but I'm guessing mm -hmm. will be third person. So I'm leaning to id Software, like just your hardcore, fluid, beautifully crafted first person shooter. Mm. You know, it's the one thing that they're missing. And I don't know if it's such a big hole they need to address it, but because I don't know how hungry PlayStation fans are for it. They're just eating up third party open world That's games constantly. That's I just point. You know, PlayStation doesn't seem in a rush to, and they've literally abandoned Killzone yeah, very to quickly. then make that Killzone developer do third-person open-world stuff. 
Yeah, that is, yeah, that is true. So, that's very true. Yeah. I don't know how much they feel desperate to address that, but if they were, I would say, I would say it's software. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna sidestep that a little bit as that's well right. because if I'm placed, I feel like this is the sensible choice. But if I'm PlayStation, mm. I'm actually gonna take Arcane. Mm. You get your first person energy there. Mm-hmm. But you're not getting first person shooting. You're getting first person simulations. Like you're getting your 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 powers that that open level exploration, that replayability, that character crafting. But it's still in first person, and I feel like that's something that fits that PlayStation energy. Mm-hmm. And I guess in a way they must agree because they're doing Deathloop console exclusivity. Yeah, yeah. But hey, that's that would be my pick personally. Get a Good little choice. get a little of id or or I would say. At least if I'm in the I seat. I like it. Good point on the first arcane. person stuff too. Yeah. Those are all our questions though, Cog. Yo. It was a it was a pretty good show if I do yeah. say so myself. I would say I would agree. The Hell Duke's yeah. in the building. For real. Uh so we hope all of you enjoyed episode twenty seven of Defining Duke. And if you got this deep and um you want to let us know, hashtag this week. Mm-hmm. Hashtag we this week. What we doing? Mm. What we doing? We doing this simple last time. Yeah, what you right. What, you, what are we doing? <laughs> you know, see, I part of me wants to uh, tap into aggressively boring, but <laughs> yeah, so but, but that's a little, that's a little, yeah, wrong. that's a little, that's a little much, DD. That's a, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a little oh, wrong. Same. It's a good one. I just always sift through our topics, right? Like I just throw yeah. out a word, and and uh, let's see here. A lot of reports we did this show. A lot of Bioware talk. Yeah. Dead mm-hmm. space. Hmm. The cloud. the cloud, cloud was pretty big. Hmm? Cloud was DD in the clouds. Now let me see. I just don't like they don't flow smooth though. Yeah, <laughs> right. It's, you know, we need, need like Civil was good. That's because it flow. Um, we did we did do a lot of cloud. We did a lot of studio talk. Um, mm, I'm bad with these hashtags, man. <laughs> I know, right? And it was worse is that because we don't plan our obviously the conversations evolve, so we can't plan the hashtag. Because you gotta be thinking about it now, yeah. moving forward. <laughs> So we not stuck. <laughs> I just like to see how many people finish the show, right? I know, right? That's true. That's true. We could do. We don't know, DD. We don't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we don't know this week. Hashtag, we don't know. Yeah, hashtag we don't know, DD. Otherwise, we'll be here for another like hour. Yes. So hey, let us know if you got this deep. Whether it's on Twitter, we got our, you got our handles on screen or mm-hmm. in the comments. We just want to see if you, you finish the show. You finish no what doubt. you started. Yes. It's a real test of your character. Anyway. Yes. Hope you enjoyed. Cog, thank you once again for your time, your presence, your energy this week. It was a blast. And until episode 28, catch all of you next time, all right? Peace out. Peace. Defining Duke, an Xbox podcast, is a product and trademark of Last Stand Media and Collins Last Stand LLC and is recorded from the good old USA. The show was conceived by Matthew Mr. Matty Plays Schroeder and me, Colin Moriarty, and is written and produced by Matthew Schroeder. The Finding Duke's executive producer is Dustin Furman, and the show is edited by associate producer Ben Smith. All of Last Stand's theme music is by Ramon Narvaez. As you know, all of Last Stand Media's shows, including Defining Duke, are fan-funded on Patreon at patreon.com slash laststandmedia. The following names are at the producer support level or higher on Patreon, and we're grateful for your kindness and generosity.
Andrew Morgan, Stephen Nieder, Ross Marenka, Miguel A. Brewer, Morgan Ashley, Azan, Michael Vecchio, Jerome Ferreira, SLVFMA, Jorge Palomino, Daniel Diamore, Brad Cooley, Jeremy Key, Patrick Leslie, Jordan Mittman, Tristan Palacios, Graham Plays, Christian Rodriguez, Jad Rita, Kurt M. Gillenberg, Patrick Skipper, Anthony Fuentes, Sweaty Mitt, John Russell, Chris Kelly, Avaristo One, Dustin Graff, Israel Pena, Peyton Stone, Roberto, Josh Allen Rui, Corbin Dallas, Tyler Watkins, Troilus True, Dan Root, Talisman, Randall Holsey, Robbie Nauman, Nuke Dukum, William Holt. Dr. Stump, Josh Godfrey, Kalike Souza, Vornak, Betty Ann Moriarty, Callan Lennon, Daniel Johnson, H-Trons, an unofficial controller podcast, Ethan Davies, Jay Getter, Manuel Ochoa, Jeffrey Mercado, Gregory Slavinsky, Galja, Of Fortuna, Boots, Tyler Brown, Megadet, Poot, Gavin Newland, Saul Balcazar, Zach Parsley, Raul Melendez, Eric Harden, Alex Bolton, Matt Martin, Kinnums, Joseph Baker, Rodney Coleman, Chris Moore, Rinsler 526, Ben B, TB Lightning, Anti Kinnanen, Taylor Barkley, Will Hernandez, Chris Galvin, Mason Cadillac, Ollie Fritz, Evan Dalton, Zach Allen, George Anthony Nunez, Kyle Hagel, Christopher, Colin Love, Daryl E. Naaman, Ryan R. Kittredge, Toby Ryland, Michael S., David Bostick, Stewie108, D.B. Cooper, Cody Bradbury, Tom Cargill, Richter86, Michael J. Sutherland, Steve Hodge, Holfeldian, Ian Bravo, Noah J. Stevens, Barrett Boswell, Andrew Parker, Christopher DeVaio, Chris Morton, Kevin Komaki, Mark Liberto, Johnny Waffles, Roto24, Blake Israel, Jonathan Coach, Sean Mason, Josh Gravelick, Brian Chan, Jay, Organic Produce, Travelus Archuleta, Shane St. Pierre, Carlos Algaret, Richard Hebert III, Miranda Grubber, Ray Lager, Josh Yeager, Turbo Makes Games, Dan Parson, Martin Beck, Gavin, Brian Watkins, Joe Andrzejczyk, Nathan R., Joe McPartland, Gary Cavallo, Christopher Moore, Brody Rainey, Jacob Bell, Dennis Usel, David Everett, Eric Finkenbeiner, Lewin Ray Loper, Dylan Burns, Jason Lusky, Malachi Wall, Zach Binkley, John Schultz, David Chestnut, Yusuf, Anton K., Brian W. Rath, Alan Tremblay, Tyler Bellow, Ryan T. Mandel, Tony Zaniga, Sean Battershall, Robbie Hensley, Alex Cabrera, Lennon Brixey, Kyle Thomas, James Kinslow III, Hugo's Desk, Peter Reynolds, Anthony Vasquez, Adam Kinnison, William O'Carroll, Jesper Jansen, Phil Crone, Throw7, Adam Nix, Josh McKinney, Michael Gates, Alex Gates, Ryan Robertson, Sean Chandler, David Mann, Petro Rose, Lockmore, Gio Corsi, Gerald Pennington, Justin Wagaman, David Iacolucci, Paul Joyce, Chad Lewis, Enrique Perez, Joshua Smallwood, Shane Rayum, Spencer Brand, Don Lee, John Cordero, Keith A. Lewis, Marius Carson Peterson, Tyler Harris, Matthew Perdue, Patrick Harper, Mad Mock Media, Jonathan Rice, and Casual Misfits Gaming.